when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, everyone. We're running a sale on subscriptions to Waypoint Plus so you can get 25% off an annual subscription through the end of the year with the coupon code WAYLASTMINUTE. If you're looking for a last-minute gift, give the gift of Waypoint. You can choose a date for your subscription to be delivered to the recipient so as not to ruin the surprise. Ooh. Or you can buy one for yourself. Visit vice.com slash waypoint to order. Happy holidays, Internet. It's December something, (laughs) and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 449. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. Welcome to 4459, the zoo, uh, Rob. <laughs> you, like the, uh, I was I was trying to contain my laughter because you were, you were working up to something. Like, you stared off at your webcam, and I wasn't sure, like, I could see, like, an engine turning on. I just, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen when the key got turned. And you heard him in the background there, our producer, Ricardo Contreras. He's got him on the boards! <laughs> that's all, that's all, that's all, that's it. I just have fucking uh, air, bl- air, air horn noise. Was, um... I need an actual soundboard someday. I'm gonna figure that out. I feel, though, like, every time podcast, mm-hmm. once the once the seal is broken yeah. on the soundboard... Dark things are unleashed <laughs> on the pod and its creative decisions and the audience. God, like I it's, like, I it's think that no, one time no we one had that, that sound, power. The one time we had that soundboard for what was it? Uh, 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 I reported the news. Law reasons, and then then we like yeah, we brought. I reported the news specifically as a single clip. Uh, that was that was a good time. I think. I feel like we we did it right. We chose specific clips. Yeah. <laughs> what was the lore, What was the lore reasons one? Um, it was similar, but it was just like random. Uh, it was a small soundboard where, like, remember we were like answering questions and the timer, the timer up thing was just a random. Yeah, like, I was just trying to remember quote. what the clip was. I can't remember. Is it like when it was when Goofy die, when Goofy dies? There was one of like Goofy die. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's that's my Goofy. <laughs> so wait, is Goofy canonically dead in Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> no, no. Okay. I mean, I'm back. sure. I am sure there is some fanfic building off that point, but no. It, it, but there is a moment where, it, like, if you were to watch the clip in isolation, you're like, oh no. Yeah, he got they got. killed. Goofy they killed. Goofy. <laughs> like those boulders hurt. Yeah, goof. Oh no! Like, no boulders aren't going to do shit to him. I've seen the skiing episode of. Uh, well, but the, the great thing is that the rest of the characters act as if he's dead. 
Oh yeah, well that's a crucial point. <laughs> that's like, a, yeah, yeah like everyone's like it is shit. They got him. We're gonna go get revenge for our dead friend. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the sla- the slapstick. You know, ah, I'm in a cartoon. Like there is a reaction as though like the game has made the decision. Like they got sign off from Disney to kill one of the most famous characters in their in their library. <laughs> Awesome. Or you know who you know, you know who does die on and they also undo it but like also dies fucking on screen Donald Duck eats it in Kingdom Hearts three. You remember that? I feel like he's had it coming. Yeah. Well, he, he does it dramatically in like, uh, you know, he uses uh, what is it? Was Zeta, it some kind of like Zeta flare disaster? No, he just like is saving uh, everyone's life. So he's like he gets a heroic sacrifice, sacrifice moment. <laughs> yeah. He fucking uses Zeta Flare and dies because that magic is so powerful it kills the user. But then they undo it. Way to it. go, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> is it actually episode 449? It is. Yes. I'm, I mean, unless we swap the order that we're recording these with the oh, right. order we release them. It could be uh, four, like 50. It's Shit. one of the two. But either way, it's time for Waypoints 2021 Game of the Year podcasts. Wah, wah, uh, wah, wah. So. <laughs> I think you mean wah, 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 wah. Yeah, it's like not quite as spectacular as. <laughs> Here's what we fit in before the end of the year. <sighs> yes, you've probably gotten used to Waypoint's carefully curated offerings each year. Waypoint maybe a fun, thematic uh, little release of content across the website and the podcast feeds. Uh, this year, you're getting two pods, and anything and, else after and, that and is Pat- bonus. And Patrick's Game of the Year list. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might... <laughs> I might try to squeeze in right in one at the 11th hour like I did last hey, year. Go for, yeah, go for it. You, know, <laughs> you have CMS access, right? And, and yeah, I do. That's yeah, Yep. <laughs> then go right ahead, Kato. Feel free. Kato, you know what? <sighs> this is your you know end of the year meeting. Like You've grown so much as a writer. I don't think you need edits either. Just put, <laughs> put those words right in the CMS. Oh. Hit publish. Fuck. Of the this year of all years, that's extra funny to me. Just because it's like, what was the last thing I put on the site? It's been it's been ages. Probably a Pokemon thing, right? That would be my guess. Yeah, probably. No, I didn't write anything about this Pokemon. No, but I I, I that, that, yeah. that, that that does not uh, betray uh, my conclusion. Uh, I'm that's look, true. I'm oh, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap was this year, wasn't it? What was this year? Was it this year? Jesus. Well, so that's the, I, that yeah. is uh, a genuinely a decent <laughs> yeah. transition uh, into uh, uh, talking about the game oh, God, of the year. It was, right, it so was hold April. on, I'm trying Jesus. to. Uh, okay, hold on. So <laughs> technically, the last article you wrote was when we were still writing articles uh, summarizing the podcast. Right, but those don't count. Right. So you are entering the switch course. That's the 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 the, the switch OLED. <laughs> radio uh, Waypoint Radio <laughs> enters the beef zone. <laughs> also a podcast near replicant that's a podcast uh apex legends new arena mode is perfect for new and returning players is that an article uh that was no one, that's a podcast that's a podcast but that was one of those side that's one of those where like i actually had like a little kind of thing. snuck one in yeah <laughs> like oh, uh, yeah I might so as well talk uh, about that. New Pokemon Snap is predictably cute, but surprisingly lifeless. April 28th, 2021. Yeah, there it is. What is the year? Uh, Did that game come out this year? This article (laughs) says it did. Um, Because when we were uh, discussing sort of how to handle game of the year, we just have a lot going on, like smaller staff, uh, 
Rob and I are in the midst of doing straight up interviews to hopefully expand uh, that staff. Uh, I had a kid sick with strep for two days this week. Natalie, you know, is straddling, contributing here and having a full time job. It just left us in a place where uh, not really having the bandwidth to do like the really expansive stuff we've done in the past. And then also like when I brought up Game of the Year to Rob, like briefly had a moment of crisis uh, where it was like, I believe you said something to the tune of like, uh, I, well, how would I even talk about this year? Did I play video games? Um, which <laughs> makes me wonder how Rob Zachney thinks of the year 2021 when he thinks about the video games that that he played. So it's I like I feel like so much of this is going to sound like cop out language or like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't play enough games. But like when you're asking me what I think about the year for me, there was like last winter. <laughs> and then there is the run up to Waypoint Plus, and then there's Waypoint Plus. The run up to Hot Vac Summer. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. All of us getting ready for the 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 new era of the great out fuck was upon us. Um, and uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but that kind of the tone I took in 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 like the game of the year piece that I did write, like because I like doing that exercise, and I didn't have a ton on my plate editorial wise this week, and so I did write something was like sort of like the fog that like the year that was supposed to be when the fog lifted. And then it was more the case that, well, the fog would lift and then it would like come back down and then the fog would sort of lift or you'd tell yourself it had lifted and then it'd come back down. That just felt like it just made holding on to experiences in games, even ones that were really good or that I cherished like slippery. I don't know. It seems like they get like got away from me. Um, and were hard to hold on to, even as I spent the time going back over the games I did really like. Uh, there were a bunch of them. That said, like they didn't really start to like the second half of the year. Like the first half of the year was like me. I keep a list of every game I play like some meaningful amount, like more than an hour. Oh, that's smart. And uh, <laughs> I wish there was just like a letterboxed like equivalent. Maybe there is, I guess. But like I, I just do that uh, in my own notes. Um, and then so you know I can like look back at. Let's see what I have here from the start of the year 2021 games played it's like assassin's creed valhalla the last campfire carto uh ouija i forget how that game is pronounced super meat boy forever skull uh like none of those games did anything that takes me through like you know february like inching into march uh and uh you know it's like maquette minute racer Haven. I don't know what Haven. Oh, I remember Haven. Haven was this this the 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 the, the couple going on in space. Uh, yeah. Spire Blast. What's that? Uh, I don't know. Red Ronin. What's that? Curse of the Dead Gods. I feel like Austin talked about that at one point. I mean, like this is like the first half of the year has some highlights. Um, but it's like not really into like a Resident Evil. Oh, not even Resident Evil Village. It's Resident Evil Vi- Village Maiden. It was the demo that came out ahead of Resident <laughs> Evil Village, which is why it's so early. Uh on here so i don't like it for me it was like a lot of like the first half of 2021 was a blur and a part of that part of a crystallized why that was why why it could be a blur was because when i looked at the list of games i played like there just wasn't much that stuck for me um in that early part of the year yeah and see for me there 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 definitely was and i think part of that is also because that was maybe one of the last moments in the year where stuff had space to stick uh because like once we were in the getting ready for the launch of Waypoint Plus and then the new like things we're on the hook for 
that just turned everything into a blur. And then at the end of the year, there's just a stack of games where it's like, man, there's a few I got to put some real time into. There's a bunch I've like put a pin in that I'm like, man, once I'm on break, I'm really going to like enjoy digging into that. I hope I hope it's going to be time. If I, if I don't play System Shock instead. <laughs> I was, you know what, though? I woke up thinking about System Shock. Like, what if, <laughs> what if we'd agree to do a System Shock 101 in the new year? And I was like, that'd be a pretty good way to start the year. The best and then I, I was thinking how mad you'd be. And I was like, the best part of this, no. is this is going to come out after we do our presentations on the Waypoint 101s this Friday. That's true. <laughs> No, there would be something pretty funny about doing the System Shock 101 right before they released that remake of System Shock. You know, maybe you're onto something, Zachney. I think we guarantee our review would be the most like critically comprehensive. By, like, yeah, comprehensive. Like we actually did the work. <laughs> That's what we're always saying. <laughs> uh so like, but yeah, so like that's that's kind of my experience of the year. Like, I think there was a lot of for me in the latter half of the year. There's a lot of stuff that I felt like I didn't have space to give a full shake. I think part of it is I'm more confident speaking about like what the what my favorite games of the year were, or like I guess more I'm confident in what I enjoyed. I'm less confident in like trying to rank stuff when I feel when I just know that there wasn't enough like breadth and depth of like experience even within genres to tell you like you know what though this one really was special out of all the games that came out this year and usually I like usually I'm closer to that space right and this is like one of the first years where I'm like wow really limited sample size here that said there was some great stuff and I'm I'm eager to get into it uh but Kato I'm I'm curious like what your experience of the games of the year uh was as well I don't remember what happened this year versus last year, basically. Uh, I I would have, if somebody had asked me before I looked it up two minutes ago, I would have bet money that the game Valorant came out this year and not last year. <laughs> um, Val, that, didn't Valheim? That came out this year. Valheim right? was this year. Yeah. That, yeah let's Did just say that's why I'm confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's been literally a blur and like the 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 games that i've played the most of i think are have been multiplayer stuff because it's one of the few ways to get socialization outside of being on the podcast talking to y'all so uh it feels like once i look back at the list of games i'm like oh yeah actually i did enjoy that a lot but my brain feels fuzzier than even in previous years where like things caused an impact in the moment but nothing sticking in a way that i don't blame the games for in just the way that you know like still leaving general. like i've just yeah. I found like covid since it started yeah uh even as things you know obviously things remain bad for all sorts of reasons but it's like you know like my, my oldest kid is is vaccinated like like me and my wife are boosted like you know like we can, you know we went out to breakfast for the first time like last weekend uh, you know like yeah, you know it's December it's 2021 uh, <laughs> right right the first right. time in two years <laughs> like right. oh. and uh so, but like grasping onto that like felt like a big moment but in yeah. the same way that like I feel like I'm grasping on to whatever I can like that didn't become like the theme of like how I wrote my game of the year it was like less about like what are the games that felt the best like what are the games where like 
it broke me out of the malaise, like yeah. where I felt something, like it it hit me in some way. It doesn't mean it was emotional. Like one of the games on my list is Cruelty Squad, which I played for 0.8 hours, less than a full hour, and yet like that game grabbed me by the fucking throat, and like I was obsessed with it. I ended up writing a feature about it, watching extensive less plays. Like uh, I put in the time with that game. Didn't even enjoy playing it, but it was like that game broke the numbness. Like mm-hmm. it got through the malaise, and like with movies and TV, like everything about the last, at this point, like airing on two years has been about like, how do you find ways to feel things in an environment that is like trying to numb you? Um, And which you almost have to numb yourself in order to just like get up, get to the next day, like do the thing in the hopes that at some point, you know, we'll get to a point where you can vary that, that that up a bit. Um, So that's that's a lot of how I felt looking back at that list was was similar to you, Kato, being like, oh, right, I did really like that. And then trying to remember no. but why, but, uh, yeah. like, wh- why did that break? Why did that break through in that moment? And like, what was it about it that was powerful or or interesting? Because I just feel like that slips away s- so much faster right now than it did prior to all this starting. So. I know we have like off the wall categories, but you want to have a more like sincere talk about like the stuff mm-hmm. that did hit on that level uh, for us. Yeah, I would, it's everyone have yeah. like a one. It doesn't have to be like your game of the year, but like I don't know, like if you if you think of games like that did do that, like that broke through that yeah, wall. So I think some of those I, will come up in the categories, but like I, I figure like it's still worth sort of like planting that flag and like the game that you are still thinking about. Yeah, there's some things that I think well, like I'd love to resurface from the start of the year, and some of this is like. Are these actually 2021 games? Well, a bunch of them are like December 2020 games that like... Might as well be January games. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, if I, if I go back through, um, for me, the racing game of the year, maybe the racing game in the last couple of years was like Art of Rally, which is just so unspeakably fucking cool and beautiful that I, I still can't get over it. And mind you, this is a year where Forza Horizon 5 came out. And I'm still like, Forza Horizon 5 is really cool. I like it a lot. Art of Rally is something special. Like, Art of Rally is doing something that I think it's probably a stretch to say I haven't seen it done before in racing games. But I haven't seen it done in a long time. Because remember, there used to be, and I I, want to say like maybe the 90s, early 2000s, sort of your, what I guess we'll call like the low poly era. Uh, when the genre like had more entrance in it and it was being less driven by like licensing deals and there were more like speculative racing games like fictional cars and shit. I mean, see, the, were- ra- the racing genre is a sim genre at this point. Like there are arcade offshoots, but e- even the ones like Horizon, it's like it's still licensing driven. It right. becomes a gotcha game to collect the the fancy cars, but it's it just it is less punishing in terms of <laughs> turning the corners. And Art of Rally uh is taking historical race cars and just filing just enough off the branding and the styling to like say this this is not a VW bug. It's whatever our fictional version of it is. But the the thing that really leaps out um and if you're by a computer, you should probably look up screenshots for this game because it's tough to describe. But like, it has this beautiful, hypersaturated, blocky, low poly look to it, but it is so gorgeously lit and so like gorgeously rendered, and the models have so much character. And then to top it off, 
all the races are procedural. So rally racing is just point to point racing. And what you're up against is just the conditions on the track. They race on gravel roads, dirt roads, all the different characters and art of like, there's a bunch of good rally games, but the thing that a lot of, a lot of racing games end up with is um, you're so locked in on the cockpit and locked in on what your car is doing. There's very little sense of like, taking in the beautiful world. I think even Forza Horizon uh, 5 has this problem. They haven't licked it. You can back the camera up as much as you want. You're still going to be staring at that ribbon of circuit ahead of you uh, to try and like figure out what, like just, just try to anticipate what's happening next, what you need to do. Art of Rally is really bold. There's no in-car view in that game. You are super far back. <laughs> and furthermore, the camera is not locked to like straight on the back of your bumper it, however they've done it with their procedural rendering, there's places where the camera works a little more like a TV camera would. And so as you begin, like, moving down a series of switchbacks, for instance, it's not like the camera perfectly swings around to catch those series of switchbacks. It will take a moment to slow, like, you will sort of, like, start to almost turn out of the frame as the camera swings around and shows you the track ahead and then, like, swoops back in on your tail. And so, like, at every turn, Art of Rally is, one, a really challenging, really technical racing game that is incredibly rewarding at, like, learning how to drive these cars and, like, across different eras as the technology changes. But then, on the other hand, you just don't even care if you're good. You just do not even <laughs> care how the races are turning out because, like, the the music and the look and just the vibe of this game is so incredible. And, you know, you're talking about, like, games that make you feel something. Art of Rally is, like, a vacation for your brain in a lot of ways. It is just such a breath of fresh air and such an amazing world to go spend time in. Um, that, that, for me, is, like, I... I, it didn't get wide console release until much later in the year, and I feel like it never had that moment where, like, the critical mass of buzz like attached to it because of the way it rolled out. But man, do I think this deserved to have like a much more of an outsized like part of the racing game conversation uh, than it ended up having. Uh, not to say it was a failure. I don't know know about that, but like I feel like there are a lot of people out there who would love Art of Rally, and the reason they don't is probably because they haven't played it. Yeah, it's it's weird how the arcade racer like where it fits in gaming these days which is to say like it basically doesn't right like i don't know like post burnout paradise like it seems like we live in largely a sim world not that there aren't games like this but it feels like they exist on the fringes as opposed to you know we we used to live in a world where like ridge racer was a platform you know a, a hardware seller like darkade racers like were a reason to to buy to play video games and now that's just like not nah, that's just not really the case anymore like maybe ridge racer 7 like that, that was a ps2 game right um or maybe that was one of the early ones but like that's one of the last times i can remember like racing games you arcade racing games used to be at the tip of the sphere of like this is how you're gonna sell how video games look um and now this has been taken over by sims yeah i think it's the the classic thing of um Being able to afford licensing deals also implies just a certain amount of resources to throw at a project, right? Yeah. And so it sort of defaulted to the minute you had the halves of studios who were able to do these licensing deals with major car manufacturers and the have-nots who were having to uh, fictionalize their cars, fictionalize racetracks, because uh, you also have to like do licensing deals with a lot of the circuits themselves. Um, 
And I don't even know how true that is, but that is now the framework in which everyone operates, right? Like, I don't know how tested in the court of law some of this shit is, but that is now the the form the the formula for how all this works. Um, and yeah, I, I think what it, what ended up kind of happening is it, it bifurcated the space where people who made arcade racers were also now no longer making stuff on the cutting edge of technology. All the cutting edge stuff had the actual cars and the actual circuits and the actual locales in it. Uh, and, I, and I think that sort of uh, created this division. And so now even even stuff that's still fundamentally an arcade racer still has a weird semi vibe because everything's so lovingly modeled and detailed because the branding deals probably come with a ton of guidelines. Like, why don't cars wreck as satisfyingly as they did in burnout games? Uh, because Lamborghini doesn't want to show the driver's survival cell getting crumpled up like a piece of tissue paper and thrown off a bridge. Like Lamborghini's like, but no, you'd be do. fine. Damn it. I was going to yeah. say, like one of my, one of my fondest uh, memories playing a racing game uh, were the old, I think these are made by Psygnosis, uh, Destruction Derby, mm-hmm. um, the the PS1 games that were all about like, man, let's fucking crunch these polygons and like we're just going to actually just dump you into a circle pit and you're just going to, you know, bust into a bunch of like I played so much Destruction Derby one and two with my brother uh, back back in the day because it was just fun to just bash the shit out of these cars. None of them were licensed. You know, this was all just like generic looking stuff, at least as far as I can remember. But um Stuff like that just doesn't – it's also just that there's less of a market for it, right? It's like one, like the expectations for how you want a racing game to look have shifted towards realism, even in probably like the arcade space. And at that point, well, who's going to spend money, like more money than the launch product? Like, well, probably people who are interested in the cars and thus are then interested in, you know, the equivalent of a battle pass or buying DLC for like specific cars that they like. Whereas if it's like me, who's like, I just want to watch the cars hit each other. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's that's like less of a compelling pitch in a, in a world in which to make back the budgets on these games, like you, you need to exist past the $60 that you spend at the start. So just to like, since we're in the race game, racing game discussion, uh, one thing I want to shout out here, uh, aside from Forza Horizon 5, F1 2021 did have a really interesting story mode. Like... Definitely more successful than like, I would say more successful than Madden Longshot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like, I'm not necessarily saying like, you know, if you're not into the racing Sims. Like F1 2021 is the game for you. I don't know if that's true. It's still like, I think it's a lot of fun. I like I have internalized how those games feel and like what you're supposed to do in them. It's pretty natural at this point, playing them year in year out for like uh, 11 years at this point. <laughs> but the thing that's really cool is it's not like just a little morsel of story. They really go fully in telling the story that uh, is about like, on the one hand, a young rookie whose story mirrors that of a couple uh, like young F1 drivers right now, probably most notably uh, Alex Albin. So like uh, sort of a, uh, F1 racer of like mixed uh, like British and I don't know if they ever say exactly where he's from. Uh, he's like British and East Asian. I don't think they pin, I'm not sure they pin it down beyond that, but like it's implied his family is not with him. Um, he's sort of marooned in this world of F1 and trying to get up to speed. And his teammate is this guy, you know, if it's an American sports movie, he's definitely played by Kevin Costner. Just a dude at the end of a long road uh, of, of a sports career. 
and kind of struggling with like what that means and the fact that like the sport is moving on from you um, and you're still in there trying to you st- you still think you've got enough and that you shouldn't be like fighting for your place in that way. Uh, and it's sort of about their clashes. And what's really cool. I didn't talk about this at the time because it was a bit of a spoiler. They shift perspectives midway through like the first half. You were totally the young gun. And you're like, man, why is this guy being such a dick? Uh, he's always undercutting me. He's like, he he's always setting me up in these situations to fail. And the way the campaign is told is you have these cutscenes that then do lead you to these racing scenarios. And they're actually really well-crafted racing scenarios uh, where the narrative moment, there's enough left for you to, for you to do as a player that the moment does land and you sort of like feel like you earned the outcome. Uh, but at the same time, it's not so open-ended that like you might just have a boring race. Uh, it's, it's, it's really well handled, but midway through it shifts perspective and you like literally the camera like, I think it's a two shot and suddenly you're looking like at, at the young kid. And instead of following him out of the conversation, like you always do, you follow the old guy back to his trailer as like his wife sort of like confronts him with the fact that um, he's being the worst version of himself. And it's a little soapy, but I'm like, this is another direction things could go. And it would be a shame if they don't keep up with this experiment. Cause I think it was pretty damn interesting. Uh, Cause like there are like, there's so many interesting sports narratives, but there hasn't been a lot of success in translating that into any sort of narrative experience in a game. Um, I'm not sure that Longshot pulled that off. I don't know if the the FIFA games did, but like and the ca- capturing like off the field or you know off the track drama is difficult. I think partially because it's not dramatized in the real world either, right? Like, so yeah. what are you capturing, right? Like, you know, the most we get is the equivalent of you know hard knocks, um, you know, uh, during the NFL season. I guess they did one mid season with the Colts. Um, at, at the moment, but like there's, I think it's part of the difficulty for any of these games trying to do that is like, what is the material you're like even pulling from? Like, is it, you know, like any given Sunday, like, like, you know, like it's, it's difficult because there's just not like a wealth of material to even structure how you tell these stories. Um, I think that like leads to complications on, on, on these games trying to yeah. forge that ground on their own. Well, and, and I guess it helps too. like in F1 is like in terms of the, the action, it's an individual sport. And so that's the other part is like in football, it's pretty hard to concoct a situation where the same, like it's all on this player and all the narrative. I got to follow this decide. offensive lineman around. Like it's the QB. Like it always has to be the QB. It has to be. It's, the, it's the equivalent of the driver. It's the, you know, um, yeah. and even then it doesn't really map because the QB is so dependent on other shit. And like so much, the team is built around them. Whereas F1, it works a little more uh, like it's a little closer. And so I think the, dra- the dramatization uh, works a bit better. And so that's the, that's maybe the other thing I would, I would toss out there at the other, the other extreme is like okay this is a pretty like semi uh racing series and their solution to this problem of okay well what do we offer people who do not just want to like (laughs) who don't just want to fuck these cars uh well we we create sort of our own version of like what people what documentary series like drive to survive uh and movies like rush sort of imply about the sport and we sort of crafted that for for our own game and i think that's that's another interesting thing to call out uh in terms of the space like i'm not sure the game as a whole made me feel a lot because it's so familiar at this point that i was like yep it's the the annual entry but that story did um so the funny part is uh 
Natalie was supposed to be on this podcast. She had some work <laughs> stuff to attend to. Um, this would probably be the moment where it'd be like, well, probably the game of the year for everybody is inscription, right? Um, I almost feel like we should punt on talking about that game I until think, the mailbag yeah. and just, we'll just do it there. Yes, we'll uh, figure out a way to I will, slip it I, in. I will ask. <laughs> I have something that is along the lines of what you're talking about, Robin. I'll get to that in a second. But like, is everyone's game of the year inscription? Rob, like when you got to the end of that, we can at least tease that larger discussion here. I'm curious where inscription lands. You just had, that's the difficulty of just having experienced a thing and gone through the high of it. Um, figuring out where that lands with you emotionally. It's in competition with two others. Okay. Okay. I think. And what are those two others? Uh, so one of them is a very late entry from last year, but like, again, super late, didn't get much attention to this year. Uh, Suzerain. Absolutely one of my games of the year. Everyone should play it. Uh, it is a geopolitical, uh, like, visual novel, basically. And it's genius. Um, it is, I, I think I talked extensively about it on the pod, but just to remind folks, you like, it is a visual novel where you are the newly elected president in the first, like, pseudo like legitimate presidential elections this country has had in like oh i remember 60 you talk, years yes. yeah i remember talking about this for a while you talk about austin yeah right and the entire thing is built on the bones of like two different uh like flavors of authoritarian regime uh and you're sort of poised between this like either a neoliberal uh reboot or like a drift towards socialism or maybe fascism uh and you're sort of at the hinge point for all these things and you kind of have to navigate this situation because you're handed a shitty hand and you're this unity candidate. And it turns out unity means something different to everyone. And so even in your coalition, there's people who are like, well, hang on. I actually kind of liked some of the fascist police state stuff. So like do what you want with economics, but like we should have the secret police have like carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want. And there's other people who are like, you know, I think the best thing for unity would be to like nationalize industry uh, and like collectivize agriculture. And like those things are irreconcilable, but the way all that plays out is uh, really well handled. And also it's not just a geopolitical, like, uh, you know, turn knob toward fascism or <laughs> communism. It's also, it is also like a personal drama. It is about like where the, the personal meets the political. Uh, and there is stuff late in that game. Uh, and if you want to hear like the, a full uh, spoiler cast, uh, freelance writer, frequently seen at uh, rock, paper, shotgun, sin Vega And I did a full spoiler cast of this over on three moves ahead. I think it was one of our best pods this year um, where we get into some of the late game stuff. We're like, there are a lot of things you start to suspect like are going to be major plot beats early on. The way it all plays out is genuinely shocking. And there are so many different ways the novel can, can come out that like talking about it with other people who played it and made different choices was fucking mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Like there's a moment where because sin had made different choices than I had things that I could never understand. Like, why does this keep happening? Why is this so fucked up? Sin had actually uncovered why. And it involved like somebody that I disagreed with, but like thought was fundamentally like trustworthy hatching just a bonkers conspiracy that I never uncovered. I did not know it was, it was in this world. Um, and like 
that stuck with me. Like, I think that is a game that everyone needs to play. Um, I don't know if I put it ahead or behind the inscription, but it is it is up there. And I guess the other one for me is uh, Hell Let Loose, which is just what a fucking experience. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we talked a lot about it. Uh, not much more to say, but like a really well executed uh, like like squad uh, multiplayer shooter set in World War Two. I like I generally uh, am like I enjoy, but I, I tend toward like the lukewarm on a lot of games like this. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has such a vibe and its approach to like forcing teams to function as teams and like have the friction of like, how do you cooperate in this environment? I think the solutions work really well. Uh, I think the community helpfully sort of self-selected to to make that work in a way that like Battlefield can never count on uh, because they have to sort of allow for all types of players. But that being said, um, just in terms of like sheer hours logged, um, that was that was one of my games of the year. And like, I do not feel bad about any of that time. Uh, what about you, Kata? Uh, I mean, I think. I think. I think it has to be inscription. I don't think. Yeah. It's, what, I feel like this is the yeah. not inscript. What are the, the, the other I'm, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat, right? Like it, it was boomerang X until, uh, Oh no, that's inscriptions music. Um, <laughs> yeah. By God. But I'm, I'm curious, like what are some, what are, what are some others towards the, towards the top that, you know, you want to shout out that like left a, a real mark, even if they, they don't, they weren't burned into your brain the same way. God, I mean, was. one of the ones that, was funnily enough kind of leaning into monotony in a way, but that's kind of why it hooked me in a weird way was Loop Hero. Uh, I ended up playing so many hours of that game uh, because it felt like, (laughs) you know, like we were kind of forced into a certain uh, new kind of trappedness, you know, but this loop, there was like things I could, you know, exert more force on, basically, and break out of it eventually. Um, but I just it it was also like the perfect uh like amount of idle that I could put it on while doing other things, which is not normal for any other game usually. Like I could kind of once I like got under the mechanics of that game, there was a, a a moment where you can make it into an idle game, even though it really isn't at first. Um, but it just like, you know, it hit because it was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I wake up, I get in this chair, I do my job. <laughs> I go to sleep. Uh, I'm not leaving the house, right? Like the, uh, here's my loop that I'm stuck into that. Uh, my normal ways of breaking out of are no longer available to me. Right. Um, and so like seeing that aside, this like, you know, story of people stuck, people finding a way like through a darkness and like the answer to that being kind of community is what it ends up doing. Like you start building and pulling people out of this loop into a small town that ends up also working, you know, it it becomes like where you get upgrades and stuff, but the characters there kind of like start remembering more of their lives, start becoming fuller people as you start to break the monotony of those loops. And like, you know, that really was like, I I mean, I don't actually know when they started developing that game, but it feels very much like 
someone early pandemic was like, look, <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, uh, if we're gonna be stuck in a loop, I'm gonna make something about that, right? Like, because then it comes out a year into the pandemic happening. So it's like, I think a really it's not far off way, that right? the, the 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 original game jam was uh, December twenty nineteen, um, right? And so it's it's like the thought was there it, just it, it, in a different way. Maybe, it was it was, it was yeah it just it was, happened it was to <laughs> right the way that it lined up with kind of like the reality we were all thrust into. Just like when that game, like I just fell into that game hard when that when that hit. Um, right. Yeah. Um, well, before we take a break and get into the categories people submitted, uh, the one that, uh, in the spirit of game earlier this year that I thought might hit, but like didn't for whatever reason was, uh, Mundan, which is a, a horror game from early in 2021. Uh-huh. Um, I got around to that. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a game in which I think video games, uh, try so hard to, create like layers of abstraction um like through the worlds that they build and like part of what i thought was so beautiful about Mundon was that uh you know it's, it's a game that got a lot of headlines uh rightfully so because its art looks hand-drawn um it keeps like the mistakes and the that kind of uh mid-creation draftiness of the art in what you see around you um and i thought that really humanized like the playing of the game in in a way um that was really interesting and and added to just the experience of being around this world where uh frequently uh, it's hard to tell like who touched this how did they touch this you know with teams being so big and just the scale of games and the technology used to make games and then Mondana's like oh no like i see the brush stroke <laughs> like i see the pen like i i can see it here because it, it is in the game and not hidden um the mistakes are part of the aesthetic and it's also a good spooky game you know like being you know uh, you know tracked down by g- giant stalks of hay um a sequence on the mountain in which a kind of a yeti type creature like is is going after you is absolutely one of the scariest moments i've had in games in, in the last couple of years um and it's it's like you uh, had said about art of rally rob like i was just sort of waiting like all right like it didn't really land widely with people here like when it came out but uh you know hopefully it'll be one of those games at the end of the year people are like oh shit mundon like more people need to play this it's like no that doesn't seem to be happening either and like i don't know if that's covid i don't know if that's just sometimes that doesn't happen to those games that you're hoping get that wider audience at at a certain moment um it it was one of those that i was kind of hoping would get picked up by game pass or something like like oh like like you know it's a little rickety you know it's made largely by one person um it's got its its faults like as a result of that but ah like there's there's so much here that is worth digging into if any of it is appealing to you and it would have been with a kind of game where it's like oh if you just can click a button and check it out maybe a wider audience might have might have found it but uh this would be my moment to do this working in a style of horror that maybe gamers were not like it like i think the language of horror in games this is maybe a two maybe too broad a statement, but let me throw it out there and you tell me if I'm fucking wrong. Sure. But like, I feel like the language of horror in games tends to be a lot of like darkness forward, dread forward, uh, maybe not always gore forward, but it tends to play a pretty major role. And so when I think about stuff like, you know, amnesia tends to operate in that space of like, you're getting this claustrophobic, like hell, like, 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 uh, hell hallway for much of the game uh or the resident evil thing where it's like here's a fucked up place 
even more fucked up than it appears. Here's a gun. Shoot them. Uh, or it's like um, Outlast type shit, right? Where it's like you're just under constant pressure. Uh, it, hurry up. It's going to get you. And I felt like with Mondan playing it and then also just in the way it looks a lot of times because scariest moments are not things that are going to appear in the marketing because they will like certain like, like reveal things to you. But like I feel like the pitch from Mondan, it's type of horror that I think in film seems like it's become much easier to sell audience. Yeah, Mundon is an like, A24, yeah, right? Like, I know what's movie. up with that. Yeah, that yeah, looks great. Yeah. And I feel um, like in the horror space and games, Mundon is completely coming out of left field. Well, I this is just a pet theory. I think it's supported by a lot of evidence, but I think the uh, horror games have been forever uh, sort of tainted by the appeal to be good on streaming and on Let's Plays, in which... Horror games have now been engineered from the jump to be like, how are these going to elicit a reaction from the player that is going to play well in this broader space for how they are played? And like, I can't, I can't fault developers there. Like it is, it makes sense to think about how are people actually playing these games when they go out into the world? And well, like the truth of the matter is like a lot of people are experiencing them through other people playing them. And then thus that is going to influence the design in a way that creates reactions from the player. So it is also pleasing to the audience. Um, and then maybe some measure of that audience that's watching also ends up wanting to play. And um, that's not as easy as just saying all games are emphasizing jump scares. That's part of it. But I do think what we have seen in like the post amnesia, like amnesia being a huge part of popularizing the let's play um, as a result of that game, getting enormous reactions from folks like PewDiePie and like contributing to that, like that seismic shift in how those games are experienced by a wider populace, you know, Mundan exists on the opposite side of the spectrum, which is like quiet. It has jump scares. Like it has very scary moments, but it is just operating at a different frequency um, in a way that I, it's harder to, to market in the space in which horror games currently exist in. Um, And doesn't mean those can't be popular, but I think there's a reason that either horror games tend to go in one of two directions currently which is that they are jump scare factories to get reactions from the player that will play well on streaming or on vods um or their actions like they give you they give you guns right and like we look at like alan wake 2 right i'm excited they're saying that they're going for full horror but they're saying like you know survival horror and it's like well there's going to be guns like there's going to be explosions like it's not going to be just running around with a uh, you know, a flashlight. Um, it's it's Dead Space, which is scary as hell. And like, I love I love the Dead Space games. Um, but again, it's like you've got a gun and you're shooting, and it's like it's harder for these quieter things to find their place. Um, which I guess is all to say, more people should check out Mon Mondon. Um, I think this is a good time to take a break. We'll come back and then we will run through the categories that a bunch of uh folks submitted. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 
All right, we're back. Uh, we asked you, the listeners, to write in, uh, and you uh, obliged. You wrote in a ton of possible Game of the Year categories for us to run through. I picked 20. Um, that said, like, a number of these were, there were overlaps. Um, uh, so I apologize if I, I do not credit you for the one that you also submitted. But look, like seven people wrote in like Derek to say, I need to know what y'all's inscription card of the year is, which I think we can say if we do here. And we'll then also give Natalie the space to give her yeah. inscription card of the year. But um, given that you just finished that game, Rob, congratulations. Um, and you had all I feel like probably compared to Kato and I. All of the cards, so many cards, every How, card. you know, a bounty of they cards. They saw every card in that second part. You could choose from <laughs> any card. Uh, what is the one that, that you come back to? What is the one that still speaks to you that gave you delight every time that it came up as something you could play? Oh, my gosh. To choose just one. I know. <laughs> so I know. fucking hard. Uh, I know. So I'm not going to. <laughs> you two. From different ends of the spectrum. Sure. The obvious one is our Arboros. (laughs) I feel like it can't. I feel like that is one where we're taking off the table. Are we? But that was awesome. I know it's awesome, but it's It's just so good. It's unfair. It's 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 OP. It's it's OP. And that's why it's it's OG. I know. Too useful. Like, I feel like it's a big, part of the reason I want to take it off the table is because it's like it speaks to us all. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no conflicts there. It's like we all, we all pray at the altar of the snake god um, in his infinite death and his infinite wisdom. Um, so, what's the other one, Rob? That- uh, this comes up multiple times throughout this game. But it was the first time I think that we'd had a card that did this. Uh, it was the uh, the infinite sack uh, cat in yeah. in the first part of the game. The first so was the first use, time I didn't, I didn't use that one. What what? How does that how does that card operate? Um, so I think we also put a sigil on it, but like okay. the cat is. You ended up well, getting a three blood sigil on that cat, didn't you? I think we did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Oh, so every time we sacked it, uh, it didn't die. Um, it would just like it, it would stay in place. Like we sack it, and then I think it just remains played. Yeah, uh, where it sits, which can be a problem. Like you can't fuck yourself that way. It can get stuck. because it. Yeah, like so. It's like it's like space. it's like the, it's similar to the infinite squirrels cheat. Uh, well, not <laughs> yes. cheat. I mean, the game. You know, it's I think at this that, point like, it's it's become increasingly uh, uh, clear to me that the game wants you to have infinite squirrels there because it's given yes. infinite infinite. That the infinite totem to like everyone that I've watched through who's played this game. And it's like, oh, this is just them being like, hey, here's a little, hey, here's a little health, <laughs> which is but great. But the squirrel goes, the squirrel leaves the board. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, like yeah, whereas, the, whereas this one, it's just like we were able to now to basically deploy our entire hands at will. Uh, and once we like, once we done that, it kind of was like the... We've arrived at a new stage of inscription, which is, oh, the game will just let us just rip the like mechanics to pieces and shatter any notion of game balance and encourage us, encourages us to do that. Um, And that was a lot of fun. It was sort of and at that point, like, I think 
it was a dangerous discovery because it also turned inscription into a what else could we do in this game? Uh, it turns out quite a bit, but that card like stands out in my memory as a okay. The real inscription starts here, right? Which is mm-hmm. the uh, stop trying to play like stop trying to like win these little close fought card games. Try to break the entire card game. Yeah, its definition of min max is different than what you think it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, going going in because it operates on a different stratosphere. Uh, yeah, my uh, it was funny. I I had to add this after watching the end of your stream as I was thinking through the ones that spoke to my heart. Like, man, fucking the sniper sentry card oh. was like just. <laughs> I was so glad you got two of them the same way that I got two of them, like towards the end of my run there in act three. Um, Cause that one was just such, such fun to deploy. But when I like truly think about it, like, and you guys had this, this instance, and I was glad that you had the same revelation was like my boy Mantis out here <laughs> just doing work. Um, Mantis, Mantis God, like is where I settled. So I think Mantis, Mantis God was like the one, like, so that's about the most time in Act One, right? Like that's the why I, I, unlike the two of you, it took me so much longer to like get my head around the game, and then I flew through Acts Two and Three um, a lot faster. Um, but every time Mantis came up, it was like on the table, going like Mantis, Mantis. Like I just such a fun card because of just the way you could deploy it on the board and just. Like, ah, it just made me so happy every time Mantis, (laughs) not just like appeared as a possibility for my deck, but then when it actually like I pulled it and was like, okay, like, how do I go out of my way to use this, even if it's not actually optimal strategy for finishing (laughs) this round, because it's just really fun. Uh, There's too many, but I think ultimately, I think one of the linchpins in me understanding this game and then like the thing that I carried through the rest of the game the most was when uh, Undiable Squirrels first hit. And, like, the idea that, like, oh, this game wants you to break its economy. Like, you want it wants you to be able to play whatever you want to play if you can be clever about it, right? Like, once that hit, it's just, like, it was so beautiful. Like, I only ever, ever needed two squirrels in my hand, and then I could play whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, like, that kind of trickled forward into like oh like understanding the energy system and being like oh once i hit six i'm gonna get six every single time how do i get to six six as quickly as possible uh with the robot cards because that's that's the that's the deck i ended up playing in part two uh which dovetailed really nicely into part three where it's just more of the robot um and like they give you even more like i didn't end up doing this in 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 my run but like that card that uh y'all made in the stream of the the fucking energy bot that cost one and you could bop to like get your energy to six on like a turn two like that shit was just amazing and like it's the sort of things that like traditional card games like magic the gathering like quickly when when that sort of loophole is found things are like quickly banned in like actual tournaments and like sometimes even like the digital version there'll be like ban lists that happen like the day after a set comes out because it's like oh whoops we didn't see that inter specific interaction but like it's very obvious that these interactions were kind of built in uh and they're so fun to play with that like yeah any my 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 card is i guess infinite uh, squirrels, but it's really the one any any of the cards that let you completely bust open 
the the energy economy in that game. Um, so I can't remember if I credited Derek for that one. That's the that's the one I actually pulled. Um, next up, uh, the <laughs> tone deaf decision of the year presented by David Cage, submitted by uh, <laughs> uh, Rahan Rahan. Um, I hmm, it's uh, God like. I had a I had a pick for this, which was the I know it is not as high stakes as everything else, but it was like the Red Ring of Death poster that Microsoft is selling because the way that they what? are turning what was a, a generational fraud into a, a a funny meme joke as someone was there reporting on that and like listening to Peter Moore like lie to the public over and over <laughs> about like a, a manufacturing default um, in the Xbox is f- fucked. Um, but then it's like, I, you know, I get, I wake up every day and it isn't like, doesn't really fit that category of like tone deaf decision of the year that like the red ring fits that better. But I like, just reading like the stalker NFT thing God, this morning. Yeah. Like it's the first thing I saw. Like my kids got, I, I heard my youngest. She's like, she's the, she's the alarm bell. Like she wakes up first. That, that's when everyone else gets up here. My, my youngest making a noise. I go and get her and we wake up the oldest. We get them both into bed with like a banana and, and like Cheerios. And then my wife and I look at our phones for 10 minutes before like the morning has to truly begin. And the first thing I saw was, ah, you know, GSC game world or whatever is, is selling NFTs for stock or two. And it's just like rubbing my temple. Cause it's just like the latest version of, you know, Peter Molyneux and Will Wright. And it's like, if this is happening, like we are, even though it feels like it's happening so fast, I feel like we're at the tip of the iceberg of so much worse shit happening next year. I don't know where it goes, but it just sucks. Like it's not tone deaf. It just fucking sucks. (laughs) It's, and it's also patently at, at best, value neutral in terms of not in terms of like environmental costs yeah, or like yeah, what yeah. does the ecosystem yes. but just like if you're being as charitable as possible the coolest outcome you can get from this shit seems to be eh. like that's it right <laughs> that's that's it it's like we're talking about this completely ridiculous reimagining of like how digital goods work which in itself is like kind of not paradoxical, but like it's already kind of an illusion, right? Like it's already kind of there's there's no reason uh, that that commerce uh, like in digital spaces already had to take the shape that, that it does. Uh, but when you're trying to add this this idea of um, like digital scarcity of turning little widgets and gadgets into special assets that people pure, will both pure, purely speculate in. purely to create a speculative market it is, yeah. it is it is scarcity right. for the for the for the sake of a bubble before it bursts and you're just every day is just watching a new trying to now, create baseball it, cards where they're even even baseball it, now yes on one hand just looking at diablo 3 and being like yeah let's do that but more i know i know but like i say on one hand is this all terrible it's bad for the environment all true i'm with you on the other hand you do get Peter, like, people like Peter Mono out here giving interviews again, having to talk about it, having to give, I'm paraphrasing a quote from a Verge interview with Mono, but basically like the interviewer uh, said like, the game he's building is something like, you know, you're building towns, yada, yada, yada. And like the interviewer's asked like, sounds a bit like a, like a company town. Like, 
that doesn't have a good connotation. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely company towns. Like they used to do that stuff all the time, and they're doing it in China right now. And it's like, you know, <laughs> this is bad, but also I miss this, um, where you can get Peter Molyneux to go out here and be like, company towns are great. Look, I Look, built a game about company towns. It's like that's home and delicious. neighborhood in Chicago is beautiful. I have no further questions. <laughs> Wow, what an interesting historical community. (laughs) Wonder what happened here. Mm. Probably just cool shit. Uh, No, yeah, I mean, it's that stuff is mortifying. And I think what's what's extra exhausting is the degree to which it just feels like we're all in this fucking siege of like few few people actually want this. You're, You're just being bombarded by. What's the way to put it? Um, ideological evangelists for this shit. Yeah. Who like it because they like the idea of a world that where everything is commodified, where everything has a price tag. And the idea of like commodifying more stuff and finding new ways to attach a price to something is inherently awesome. That's a very small group of people, but they are always very loud. And then there's people who are like genuinely excited about uh, well, maybe these things could do all sorts of interesting things in creative spaces. And those people are, are marks for the most part. Um, but they are also, again, like very noisy. And I think most people have a reaction. I think normal people probably have very little reaction to this at all. Right. It's probably like, I don't know. And then it's there's just, oh, a, a new Internet thing. The Today Show ran a, a segment on NFTs and they're like, huh. Right. So you can like buy an image. That seems weird. I'm going to go pick up my kids. <laughs> right. And it's being, it's just this constant bombardment of like, this is the future. This is inevitable. And anyone like raising questions or opposing it is somehow a stick in the mud or they just don't see the vision. And it's like, I think a lot of people see, see the vision. The thing they don't have is the massive capital backing to broadcast their message 24 seven about like how this is the future. Right. So it's just like, we are, we are just steeped in NFT nonsense against our will. And also dismantling the argument is exhausting. Right. Like my response to all of it is like, well, this sounds fucking stupid. With like, yeah. and you stack that against, you know, you know, you know, giant, you know, ideological tweet threads explaining, oh, well, actually, Web three, yada yada yada. And it's just like, I just don't, I don't even want to do it. Like, I just don't, yeah. I don't have the energy to respond to the argument because I don't buy the argument in the first place. And so I think that's where I end up a lot of people are at is just right exhausted. Well, and, they, and also the the Web two was entire like that marked the shift into platform capitalism. And now you're expanding sort of the underpinnings of platform capitalism to fucking everything everywhere forever. Right. Uh, And I do not buy the notion that like there's like there's a like field leveling effect of decentralization. These things are not decentralized in that way. Uh, And because of like the preconditions for the field being established that can never be level. So like I find all of this. Just, yeah, as you said, uh, exhausting. And we are being, and basically it is trying to attach itself to like the progress myth as like this is a natural evolution for the internet. And it's like, but the internet has often evolved for the worst. Like just to say, (laughs) like in terms of what the space is for like art and creativity and expression. Yeah. The trend has not been great there. Convenience has been nice. That's been the treat, right? But in terms of like 
access and openness, the trend is bad. And this is not I do not see a departure from that trend. What I see is a lot of people cynically promising uh, sort of a new beginning. But yes, not it is to one. turn everyone to a company town. And I mean, you because some of the arguments, especially earlier on, were like about oh, digital artists can sell their work the way that, uh, you know, like people's physical. masterpiece. Just like the blue chip system, the commodification of art is bad <laughs> like come the fuck on like those things are not good for normal artists it creates a system where a select few can ever like truly quote-unquote make it that is not mm-hmm. a good system to in like support arts happening more often like so this is looking towards that sort of commodification it's not going to be better for artists it's going to be better for a very select few artists and then everyone else gets thrown under the bus if they a don't want to engage with that market or b try to and don't find any success because it's about speculation right and yep. it's it turns the game into like no you can't support your uh you, you should be supporting artists directly and you shouldn't care how many times they sell that image or whatever if it's digital and it can be copied the point is that you're supporting a person that should be the impetus behind purchasing art is like i am patronizing you to keep being creative right uh, instead they're looking at the fucking horrible art world which is Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I got the fuck out uh, was just like, well, I'm not going to be able to fucking compete with that shit. So, and it's just like drives yeah. me insane. Like, it's like, yep. we've already done this. It's not so, good for anyone. No, now, but now we can just scale the shittiness of that to be <laughs> everywhere and always at all times. Uh, so the last thing I'll say is um, in terms of horrible year for actually... Good year in terms of things being brought to light that have for too long been buried, mm, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think mean, that's the upshot to this. Is and, and also we should, you know, like like on the one hand, you know, the summer is the beginnings of our better understandings of how the horrible operations of Activision Blizzard. And as we record this today, this morning, the first North American video game developer union was formed. Um, like that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like that's a big moment. You know, it's a small team. It was voluntarily recognized by. This, you know, the studio's owner. Um, so there wasn't like a bunch of acrimony in the way most <laughs> all unions are typically formed in which there's a, a struggle with management to get to get that um, sort of like approved and have the process going. But like you had to start somewhere. Right. And I don't know that uh, that union is formed if things like an Activision Blizzard like come if that doesn't come to light i who knows if that prompts that union happening i don't know like i haven't talked to those to those folks who have who are organizing that but you know that is kind of like the yin and, and the yang of that it's like all this stuff is terrible that company needs to get better and hopefully it can but also then you look at you know getting an email about a union forming and it's like shit like yeah. things can get better like those people can organize and it was probably more likely to start at smaller places and work its way up than it was for activision blizzard to to unionize but you know, the, the brick, the bricks are laid somewhere. Um, and I think, I think to that point, I think the actual, like, I don't even know, if, it, like, is it tone deaf or just nakedly cynical? But the <laughs> initial approach of Activision and uh, like, like Codex leadership to be like, basically take the, we're trying to find the guy who did this approach <laughs> to uh, like uh-huh. to harassment and misconduct 
at initially when it was like mostly focused on Blizzard for them yep. to be like, God damn, Blizzard sure is fucked up, huh? Wow. Well, we're going to get right on fixing that. The uh, watch good the thing. Machine. We good thing. Both names are in the title so we can point at the <laughs> other one and be like, well, we just run Warzone over here. Like, we're fine. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, those I Blizzard like, guys. That to me is the like. That stuff should always just be laughed out of the room when like mm-hmm. when you've been when you've been incumbent for that long, you can't be like, all right, well, it's time to clean this up, man. If you picked up a if you picked up a broom uh, in the last 20 years, you've been there, you wouldn't be in the situation. Right. But like yeah. this, this pretense of like, I'm shocked there's gambling on going on in this establishment. That's maybe <laughs> the, the actual like most serious tone yes. death thing. The thing that sort of cracked me up, though, Um the way Keeley tried to walk the tightrope oh, at the game oh awards and fell yeah. the fuck off. Oh. And you know, and you know, like, and you know what? He, it's so funny because not that it took uh, a wizard to predict what I did, which was exactly what he ended up doing. The thing that made me just chortle was when he said, um, you know, he added the, like, the online communities. Yes. It's like, you fucking what? asshole. <laughs> what? It was, right. It was like. You can't just let you can't just do the bare minimum, which is like, no, then we also like but also like the toxic gamers out there like tisk tisk. It's like, come on, come well, on. And also, it's like it was very funny because it also just felt like this in 2021. Gamergate is on notice. Uh. <laughs> better knock that shit off or it's over for you, bozos. Uh, we got real feminist up here. So that like like. Not the most serious version of it, but I think it was just it was such a ham fisted way to yeah. try and address this where like the people he ended up calling out directly were online communities and everything else was like everyone deserves to feel safe. And it's like, well, he, the online community at his job at their jobs, too, which is the only concession he made in this whole thing, but then immediately swapped to the. Right, and so that, and online, that, could call this like, that could easily be construed as like, damn, it's rough out there for community managers and like <laughs> yeah. public facing devs, God. which is true, so, but which like, is true, but, but that's, <laughs> that's not been the, that's been true for years. This is the yeah. other thing is like calling out online communities in 2021. Guess what? That conversation has been happening for like a decade. Uh, yeah. So you're late to that. And yeah. also you are very pointedly avoiding just acknowledging that a number of the marquee publishers who are part of this event uh have like are extremely implicated in these stories and there's just no running from that and trying to do that sidestep was embarrassing uh agreed uh next up uh we have the uh best uh daniel submitted a best loop experience this was one that a lot of people picked up on um, and they included some of the ones from this year that I uh, I don't know if there are other ones, but you can, people can point them out if there's ones missed here. Deathloop, Loop Hero, Echoes of the Eye, which is hopefully going to be one of my holiday games that I play. The expansion to uh, uh, Why Am I Blanking? Kato, help me here. Oh, uh, Outer... Mm, which one is it? <laughs> which one is it? Wilds. Outer Wilds. Uh, Jesus. Which is apparently very good and like exceptionally horror-y um, yeah, from, from what I understand. Still um, really upset that I haven't been able to get to that. <laughs> I don't. I don't, ha- I don't have an answer on this because I started and did not finish that loop, but I will. I started and ended up falling off of Loop Hero because I didn't much yeah. 
like care for like I, I respect what it is doing. I'll be honest, I didn't like it that much either. Yeah, so yeah. I, I felt I, I I had a very intense love affair for about two hours before it yep. was like it just it completely uh, fell uh, off. It feels like, like that. Uh, two hours. I was like, "All right, well yeah. played, uh, Loop Hero." Th- hour three. All right, I need to stop going fucking circles. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fighting I feel like you go in two directions yet. with that game at that point. You either go where yep. Kato and Gita yeah. went, yeah. or yep. you went. You go where Rob and I went. It's just like <laughs> you burn hot and bright, and then you, you turn into a lump of coal, or it's just like you keep burning hot and bright and turn into a comet, burning forever. Um, <laughs> but I guess I, I I'd be curious. Uh, I'm not sure we need to pick up best loop experience because like I think we're all over the map on this. But uh, where did everyone end up on Death Loop? By the by, the end of of this year, um, it was a game that I feel like we all quite liked in the in the moment. Um, but my my feel on like where that game has ended up by the end of the year is a lot of people maybe have cooled on it um, yeah. since. Um, don't talk about it in the same way they talk about a prey or a dishonored. Um, it was like a neat concept, but maybe didn't mentally stick. But I don't know, Rob. Was that like a COVID thing, or is that you know speaks to just the game being like a stronger premise than it is an experience for me. It felt like it just outstays. It's welcome a bit. Mm. Um, I think part of it is there is a gap between you basically figuring a lot of the things out that are sort of critical path. And then you actually sewing up the game. And in that gap, like as you're trying to figure out like, what are the last things I need to make happen here? Um, and I got kind of stuck cause Either I did something uh, slightly wrong or an event just didn't fire for me that that should have. But like uh, it took me forever. Um, it, like it, it took me forever to get to the, the actual like last run. I, I was like, I know how to kill all seven of these fuckers. Um, how do I get to the assassin? Uh, what, what's her name? Um, I forgot both their names. Is it Cole? You you play as Cole, and then you're talking about um, the uh, the reason I stopped playing because of the spoiler between them two. Yeah. God, um, what is her name? I'm still Shit. gonna I'm still gonna play that, so don't spoil it. So, but oh, yes, I've, yeah, I've I've, I've heard. So, but, but yeah. So the <laughs> thing is, like, there was just a moment where I'm like, okay, I'm no longer being. There's not much discovery happening anymore. Now there's just like rote repetition as I am like trying to figure out where the keys are to this thing. So, like, I think it's it's very very cool. I think it's one of the best games of the year. Um, never connected with me emotionally on the level of like Arcane's other games. Uh, but that's not a surprise. Like. Dishonored's maybe my favorite franchise ever. Damn near up there. Um, and so, like, Deathloop's doing something different. I liked it a lot. It felt really, really good. Um, but, yeah, like, the conceit is really well executed. But it is conceit that, for me, wore a little bit thin. I can't uh, talk about the reason I bounced off of it, because Patrick <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to get spoiled. Well, it's, if, if, but let's, well, say, we let's can... just say I got spoiled, mm-hmm. and then I was like, mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> okay that's good that's that's good to know i i mean I, the, the one thing i'll say having not finished it but um as much as i would have wanted another game in like dishonored i feel like that franchise ended really well and i'm i'm glad that they're taking swings in this direction as opposed yeah. to just making another dishonored um yeah um, i'm also sad that one of the 
you know, look, the quote unquote leaks from 4chan are, are, are almost always wrong. But I did start to buy into I really wanted the one that someone had like put around of like there being I think it was called Neuroshock. It was going to be a sequel to Prey set on Earth um, <laughs> in like a pseudo open world. And I was like, I want to play that game. I do like but uh, turned out not to be true or at least not announced. Um, next up comes from Sam. The Elden Ring presents network test of the year or where would the Elden Ring network test rank in my top 10? Um, Kato. Fuck. If um, if you make a list, would you include it? And if you would include it, where, where would you rank it? I feel like it's it's too short a slice for me to actually. I mean, I might I might put that shit on my list. I don't know. It's so fucking cool. See, I couldn't. I I uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the network test. Yeah. I enjoyed getting a chance to like play the game and kind of wrap my head around it. I was not awed by it because I think it's still impossible to know what is this thing? Like, yeah. what is the whole yeah. of this thing? And so, yes, did it give me a cool glimpse to increase what I think Elden Ring could be? Yeah. The, you know, the six to seven hours that I played, I was like, yeah, another one of these games. Like, good. Like, could go in some incredible directions, but just not enough for me to, like, look at it as more than that. Mm-hmm. It's more like, yes, it confirms to me, I think this game could be incredible yeah but i don't like if the i was to just take that <laughs> yes if i was to just take that slice out i don't know that anything that i experienced like just because i got to be on a horse yeah. and explore a bigger space like didn't necessarily <sighs> but the horse um, double jumped patrick the horse did double jump <laughs> I feel like jump. I feel like, but a lot of that a lot of that stuff wasn't present in that slide, right? Like, I feel there's, like there's depends. gestures at like like you're going to be doing a ton of this exploring with this horse that is only possible with the horse, and there are sections of that, and I, and obviously I probably didn't get to to all of them, but I don't know. I still feel like it's 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 just it's gesturing at the bigger thing, yeah, yeah, and that's exciting, but it, I I couldn't put it on, on on my list even if I was allowing for it. I feel like I don't know if it was if it was just like. Here's this weird game that someone made and it's just this slice. I think it could make 10, you know, as yeah, sure. as as a, as a moment of like how excited I am for what it points towards for the full game. Top five easily. Uh, but that is, of course, me filling in a lot of the spaces of like, oh, and this is how they'll expand it once those invisible oh, fog walls that were around the slice fall yes. away. Right. Um. Like I am extraordinarily excited for that game. Uh, I know. February we'll can't come back come. from that break. Yeah, I know. We'll come back from that break. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be far off before I'm signing NDAs, oh. and um, that is both like exciting and deeply troubling for how much time I'm gonna be spending. Yeah. in that yeah. in that game, most yeah. likely. Um, this comes in from Snub. Best sleepy time game. Okay, I I read this on the list and I was like. Are they saying this is a snub? Like we're snubbing something by call it sleepy time because it puts <laughs> us to sleep? I was very no, no, confused no. for a second. My oh. interpretation of this was like the kind of game that you put on, you know, end of the night. You should probably go to sleep. You're a little mm-hmm. tired. You're not fully mm-hmm. paying attention, but like you're still, still engaged. Um, the the one that I that came to mind for for me on this was uh, Sable. Actually, oh. um, like Sable. Uh, a game I really liked, one of my favorite games of the year, um, but not one that required 
my full attention. Like it was like it was beautiful. It was exploratory. It has missions and objectives, but they're really just kind of like vague guideposts mm-hmm. to like get you going in a direction. I mean, it'll tell you stuff about the story and in and, and the world and stuff, but that's like so low on the reason the game exists. And I found myself like frequently taken by like that 11 to 11.45 time slot where I should probably go to sleep, but I want to play a game and I need like the certain kind of game that like isn't going to ask too much of me. And Sable like filled that slot like really well. It's just like, ah, this is nice. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm just enjoying this. And yeah. then, you know, I would climb a mountain and see some awe-inspiring landscape as like my eyes blur and I'm like, that's nice. That's very awe-inspiring. That's nice. <laughs> uh mine is a little odd, but it's Genshin Impact. Which Okay. <laughs> It's mostly just like I don't know. Playing that on your phone? Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's on my right. it's on okay. my. I'm playing that mostly on the phone before I go to bed. I log in, do some daily things or whatever like small quest I can fit in before I like actually sit like lay all the way down and fall asleep. And I think most most of that comes from it being on the phone and being something that is like has a reason to log in daily. You know, um, I did fall off of that eventually though. Uh, like halfway through the year and it got replaced by Pokemon Unite because there's no better way to tire yourself out than a 10 minute MOBA game where you're getting angry at all the <laughs> other people in this solo ranked queue and like why are you stealing my farm god damn it you ever get so mad at a teammate that you want to go to sleep <laughs> there you go yeah Pokemon I, I, Unite. Work, I, I work with Rob Zachney <laughs> <laughs> oh damn <laughs> I uh my sleepy time game my sleepy time series has been the judgment series mm. Ooh, uh, sure. and that's that's proven to be a really good like it's such a low impact game in terms of what it is asking you to do like I am now at a place in my life where I need a bit of a I need a runway in the morning to get the day going and I need an off ramp in the evening to have a good, like, reliable, <laughs> like, night's sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so increasingly my day, like, I used to be just someone who, like, liked rituals because they just made me feel good and everything. Now I'm like, oh, shit, man, I need to have some good habits or I'm fucked. <laughs> um, and one of those is, like, there's just a lot of games that I have to stay away from late in the evening, much like I stay away from coffee at increasingly early hours in the day. Uh and for me, like, Judgment is interesting because, like, yeah, it's a bit of an action game, but, like, you can just press them buttons. You'll be fine. Like, Tox's going to win the, those fights. Um, I could play it on hard difficulty, but, you know, fuck that. It's, like, it's it, the fights are silly. So you just do the, the, the beat-em-up stuff. Um, and, then, and then for the most part, you're, like, watching a pretty good, uh, like, cable or, uh, like, network Crime drama. And that's good late night vibes. It's a good choice. 2020, uh, bid farewell to mentalist. 2021, hello, <laughs> judgment. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting your review, Rob. Uh, James uh, writes in, uh, best 2021 game you will still be playing in 2022. Uh, I wrote in my notes that uh, I said, I wrote, uh, I thought this would be where I put World Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, 
And, inst- and instead, n- no, because uh, I, I thought that game was bad um, and uh, a, tra- a tragedy. But, you know, that ha- that that happens to us all. Uh, it's weird for me because I don't really I don't play a lot. I like so many of my games are like kind of one and, and done. I don't play a lot of like daily games. Um, like my guess is I will like start Halo Infinite over the break and then finish that in January some sometime. Um but I don't know. I don't have a lot of those like return to game. I'm like the like the anti Kato um, <laughs> in which like I, I I'm largely playing like directed like narrative or at least like finishable experiences. So I don't know like Kato, which ones like well, is Pokemon is Pokemon gonna survive into? Oh, hundred yeah. You I, it's surprising because most of the people <laughs> yeah. I know that got into that game are no longer into that game, and you're you're like the exception there of the the people i know that Uh, (laughs) were very into that game when it first came out yeah no i mean it's it was just fucking laser targeted you know like i loved mobas and like lost the time in my life for them and i love pokemon i love i love pokemon like it was too perfectly made for like oh a form that i enjoy that is easy to play in a short bursts but still hits those like like they, they did it they condensed the MOBA to a 10 minute match and like it still feels you still run the whole arc of like needing to get ready deciding what build you're gonna go against the other team you know getting into team fights and it feels fucking good <laughs> like it's fucked up how perfectly like laser targeted that was but I am absolutely still on that train and will continue to be on that train they're about to drop fucking dragonite who's one of the best i fucking love him uh i'm very excited like they just keep adding my favorite pokemon even though they had my favorite from the beginning honestly gengar for life shout outs <laughs> uh, i would absolutely easily be playing that game for the length of its its time even if i get mad at everyone for not knowing how to play the game in ranked. I feel like that's part of the attraction for you, Kato, and you should just admit it. Wow. Kato, no, uh, look, Kato if I had a was stack a hobby-grade of... MOBA gamer all along. Oh. God, uh, if I had a stack of five people, though, I wouldn't be able to... I wouldn't need to get mad. I have, like... Uh, yeah, oh, if, if, if anything from regular Dota groups, it's that they're just like a big family, and uh, it's chill vibes all the time. Well, you have, that's it's the thing. My, you have to be friends first, and then convince them to play Dota. So then you find the boundaries of that friendship very quickly. I Kato sta- status <laughs> update: It's my friends that are the problem, not me. Oh, uh, hey y'all! Do you want to play some? Do you want to play some MOBAs? No, wanna, not no, not with you. Hey, <laughs> I can be helpful. He, sa- uh, he says as he screams at me in the DMs. So I already alluded to it. I think I'm going to be playing Hell Let Loose for a while, but, I, but I'm also pretty confident that I'm going to be playing Age of Empires 4 uh, for a bit longer. I, like, I'm, I'm concerned. I haven't seen a ton of like, even among my strategy friends, like a lot of pickup for like Age of Empires 4 multiplayer once the review cycle ended. Uh, but I like that game a lot. It's it's really cool. Um, highly recommended. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the nature of these things. They've got long legs. And it's really cool seeing how Relic kind of stayed within the Age of Empires 2 uh, framework. But did maybe the best 
the best game you can make in that framework. Uh, like it's it's not just we're redoing uh, Age of Empires two. Um, it's it, it is a really cool take on it for uh, for twenty twenty one. Um, also from James uh, comes a game you spent way too long playing. Um, this part is my <laughs> submission. Yeah, I feel like this is just insert long sigh from Kato. Um, because this, I feel like this, like so. When I looked at this, I was like, I had to think harder about the category because I'm not the person that plays games that you tend to put hundreds of hours into. Um, so it's funny because this game is both on my top ten list. Um. And also, I spent too long playing it for how bad it is. But 12 minutes is, is oh, what, no. I, what I arrived at. Oh, no. Here. Oh, no. Um, what? <laughs> like I said, my 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 game of the year like theme was games that made me feel something. Oh, and boy. Oh, boy. When I played 12 minutes, <laughs> I felt. I mean, I. God. I ran out of that game telling like Austin and Rob, like, you it, you have to play. You have to play this game. It is possible that you could be spoiled, and I guess that would give you some semblance of what it is like. But truly, nothing is the equivalent is equivalent to being in the moment and experiencing the awful story twist in that game. Like it, it, it really, it was one of the best experiences I had this year. Not because it was a good game, but because it was just like a, Oh oh, fuck. Are you what? Uh, and then had to talk about it with everybody. Uh, I knew. So, uh, that game also does go on too long. Like if it, like for, even for what it is. Uh, so it is both a game, a top 10 gaming moment of 20, uh, 21, but also a game I spent too long playing for what was there, which is, which is not very much. So that's, yeah. Noticing, I'm noticing a, a different category down that might. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a slightly different route because I'm saving the, the, the right answer to, for that second one, I think. Okay. Right. Okay. But for this one, I will just say again, uh, just uh, Loop Hero played 40 hours of that game. I don't know why it just happened. I don't know. I, I actually fucking blinked, I just, I, and it, it I was disagree, like I disagree with your choice. I feel like I, that, game you spent game, way too long playing is what? What was the game we made you quit? You didn't they make bullied me. you on the mm, bravely default two, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't hit. Here's the thing. I only hit like ten hours in that game. Uh, all right. <laughs> like, okay. All right. I did, it was maybe ten hours was a bit much, even. But that—that's what I was saving for we cut you the, off. the next award. Uh, gotcha. But uh, because I like, I like, I like quote unquote beat it and then went back for more. It's a thing. You don't need forty mm. hours to beat Loop Hero. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Is like, it just like it. The mechanics itself started hitting a part of my brain that was like, yes. More circles, yes. Mm. Make it and it go and it does it itself. Ooh. <laughs> oh, and then I can Ooh. yeah. If I if I do this just right, it I don't even have to look at it for like fifteen minutes at a time, and I can do something <laughs> else, and then look back at it and be like, yes, it's still going. Yes, I love this. <laughs> That's it's funny. it's just yeah, being able to turn that game that everyone thought was an idler turned out not to actually be an idler back into an idler. Uh, was really fun, but I did not need to put 40 hours into Loop Hero this year. 
Uh, Rob, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, so I'm Flip, leafing you're through, through my pages. Journal. Yes. Uh, and I just should note here mm. that last winter was the winter of Slay the Spire. Uh, <laughs> and so just in terms of, especially on weekend hours in this year, I was like, dog, you need to be playing stuff that is more now. And instead, I was like, just one more run. Just one more little run. I can have <laughs> just a tiny. You know what? I can have it a probably won't treat. even take that long. Yeah. It's just one. It's just one run, Michael. Uh, how long could it take? And so that is, yeah, like a game that was so perfectly engineered to just keep me being like, you know what? What I did there was I didn't have a good enough deck. I think I learned a lot from that run. I'm going to go back and I got these new cards now in the mix. It's going to be totally different next time. And yeah, so Slay the Spire uh, just coming out of left field to hijack my mornings throughout the early part of this year. Uh, this next category comes in from Fane. Slay um, the Spire. <laughs> the, the, ca- the category is just deck builders, deck builders, deck builders, deck builders, deck builders. Um, <laughs> guess we know Rob's answer. Kato, what's what's your answer? I mean, I, I'm, is there any other answer other than inscription? Like what? No, the, I don't think so. Yeah, that's, well, that's it's what? not the deck buildingist. It true. It isn't. It isn't right. Like yeah. you can make it. You can make it in a way into a more deck building s than you need to. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> to, someone on this call may have participated in such a version of of that game, as opposed uh, to what the game guides you to. Of like, cool. Like you kind of found the cheat. Like, all right, now you can narratively progress and. You're you're good to go, or you can gotta catch them all, um, and uh, <laughs> never they go for it. No comment. Okay, uh, game that generated the most discourse submitted by Brian. Uh, you should you know, read I the next tried- category too, because my answers are the same for both. Okay, uh, most respected swing and a miss, which both both these categories came in from Brian. I tried to apply some science to this uh-huh. by going to uh, Reddit and just seeing like. What were the top voted posts, upvoted posts of like 2021? Yeah. Um, and boy, I just like forgot about Cyberpunk 2070s, uh, 2077 or 2077, which is like a game well, that, was that both generated, oh, right? Correct, it was, but, but then, it was too late for the last. Yeah, that's right. a first. Oh, that yeah. is a definitive like early December of 2020. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, and it was, it was, it, but, uh, and the reason. And I, I wrote my notes here. Is like game that generated the most discourse while also inspiring absolutely no discourse whatsoever. Um, it was like a game that all the conversation was over the glitches and the problems with it, the crunch. Um, but almost nothing was actually about. So is this game any good? Like what's the what's like what's in here? Like what's under the hood? Like I so much time was spent re-examining The Witcher Three and like. I wrote like giant features about like individual quest lines in in that game, and it just seemed like it seems like that that critical reevaluation is starting to happen now a bit with that game. Like I've just seen people I know like talking about that game on Twitter, like a, a little bit of this that is happening as the game is stitched together and like sort of is what it is for better and and worse. Um, but I thought it was an interesting game where like so much so many words were spilled on it, and so so few of them had to do with what the game was actually doing. Um, so what, what was, what was your answer for, for both of these, Rob? Yeah. For my answer, for both was going to be 12 minutes. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh-huh. The, and the, and the uh-huh. thing is, I want to be clear here. The reason I ended up really disliking 12 Minutes is that it makes a narrative decision I don't respect at all. I yeah. mean, that decision was dog shit. Right. Um, however, the reason I was so excited for this game, and I think for a good portion of it, I was still kind of on board with it, was like, it is a... What's the, what's the way I put it? I think it is trying to be a one set play uh, in video game form. Uh, one set, one act, basically, right. uh, play uh, through like the mechanics of a point and click adventure with a clock always running. I think that's that's not necessarily a groundbreaking idea. There have been games experimenting in this space for a long time in adventure games, but like just in terms of boiling it down to this like self-contained little story. I thought it was a really interesting uh, attempt. And I think until you start to get the sinking feeling of what the game is actually doing, you're like, for me, I was like, okay, I don't think this is working that well. I think it's ultimately falling into a lot of like boring experimental point and click adventure tropes uh, as they're just trying to figure out like what will change the states in the system. Uh, but for all that, I really did like a lot of what it was attempting until the story it was actually telling came into view and it was like, okay, so it wasn't enough to be this like sort of tight little narrative experience. You also needed to have a big dog shit twist at the end. Um, and, and that's where that, that's where sort of respect goes out the window. But I think short of that point, uh, you know, I, I, I would enjoy more games like 12 minutes uh, that just don't make the don't make the big narrative bets that 12 minutes does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like the the, the moment that I realized playing that game that you, you you early on, you have the feeling, cool, I solved it. Like, we're going to move on to the next area. And like, that's what, that's going to be the structure of this game. Like, I get it. Like, we're going to do these little vignettes. I solve a little puzzle and then we move on to the next one. And it actually was delightful when you realize, oh, Shit, like the whole game is this room and actually the different scenes are just the kitchen or, or like the, the bathroom and like the, the the bedroom and then this kind of like family like living room space. Like, oh, that's it. Those are the levels. Um, And that was cool until, you know, it wasn't anymore. Um, But I, I don't know that like 12 minutes both uh affirms that the idea there is really sound. It's just that its execution and narrative was all over the place. But yeah. I. I, I would lo- like you love to see someone else, even that same developer in, in theory, like take a swing again at that exact concept because it was so much fun until it wasn't. But I, I don't think it necessarily undermines the the idea that you could take that all the way through and, and land even, even that game itself of it, as much as the adventure gaming stuff becomes a problem, uh, had the story not gone where it was, I probably still would have landed much better on it um for for all the repetition and kind of like problem solving you know bullshit problem solving you have to do towards the end i, I would have been like oh okay but like they took such a big design swing that like okay who cares if the narrative is a little bit messy but it was like it was just the messiest version possible <laughs> uh kind of any is another most respected swing and a miss that, that that comes to mind yeah and i think this one's that because i can respect like actually a lot of it is eastward so mm-hmm. much about that game was really neat. I love the art style. I think the narrative 
hook was good, but I just couldn't get around what ended up being kind of like boring and samey combat in between those narrative bits that just kind of went a little too long. So like I couldn't push through, but like, I feel like, I don't know they, if they just tweaked that to make it a little bit more interesting. I would have, I would have been there for the whole thing, but like couldn't, couldn't make it. But I really, really do think like everything else about the, the production of that game is like awesome. Like it has amazing music, amazing visuals, and like a really interesting premise that the combat just kind of like killed for me. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. Oh, I hope that whatever they make next can can hook me better. But yeah, uh, for me, uh, it was uh, Game Builder Garage, the uh, Nintendo sort of like game game builder t- tool um, right. in which they God, went through ex- <laughs> yeah, extraordinary lengths to find a way to make like the idea of like scripting and like building game rules understandable to the average person, like doing that UI work is remarkable. Um, I don't know if this is as successful as like a Mario maker, but it's in the ballpark. And then they paired it with just the worst way to share or experience any of that stuff. <laughs> um, uh, like it's, it, you know, I, I forget the, like there's no shop, like there's no marketplace to see people's things. You had to download individual codes. Right. It was a total nightmare to experience this uh, frankly should be something that is was a free-to-play download where you could experience all of the things people are making and then you pay for the tools if you want to be part of the builder community but nintendo has shown over and over again that they are incapable of like stitching a lot of their really great ideas with the the good parts of the internet um <laughs> the non-nft parts <laughs> of the the internet and like that was no more uh, underscore then in Game Builder Garage, which is like something I was so excited for to see like what people would do with it. Um, and I, people did a couple of cool things. And then I, I I have no idea what that community is even up to anymore because accessing it is such a pain in the ass. Um, and that that sucks. So yeah, I respected it, but like just a huge whiff um, in the part that was really important, which is getting people to see the things that people are making. Um this comes in from Rohan, uh, best music podcast to listen to while grinding in Shin Megami Tensei or any other amazing self-flagellation <laughs> RPG. Uh, I was looking at my podcast for 2021. I did such a huge purge and like reshuffling of the deck in 2020 that I didn't do a lot of changing of what I listened to uh, in 2021, except one of the ones I added was on recommendation from a number of folks uh, was uh, A-Lab, All Lawyers Are Bad. <laughs> um, a very infrequent podcast in which there's like one every two months or so. All of them are gold uh, in which it's a bunch of lawyers shit talking like the, like the legal system and explaining like it's like it feels like you're sitting down with a bunch of leftist lawyers who are drunk and explaining to like, well, here's how this shit actually works and talking in like plain language and explaining legalese. It fucking rules. I wish they d- did it way more frequently than they do, but it does mean that every time I get the notification, it's like, mm, like such a such a delight. And so, well, they're kind of like, known for kind of knowing what the fuck they are talking about, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, which yeah, probably explains absolutely. why their posting frequency is not that of other leftist podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are not speaking off the cuff. It sounds like they do actual research, and so that is sometimes one that I will stack up um, and like 
it was one of the ones where I listened to like two episodes, like catching up on the, cause I just got into it and there's like a, you know, a huge backlog for me to work through. I would do that like while playing Sable where it's like, I'm climbing this mountain while also understanding how the American government fucked over like <laughs> Muslims after nine 11. Um, so like a weird, a weird pairing, but became, became, became the one that like I enjoyed. Like I had like a little intellectual uh, tease uh, while I was, you know, playing a game that didn't require like my full, full brain attention. God there. I got into so many good podcasts this year. Um, Film spotting fucking rules. Um, don't know is why that the, I was at lunch on that one is, for so long. Wait, is, is film? That's not the one with the guy from Ted Lasso, is it? No, no. This okay. is uh, so. It's like the next picture show and film spotting. I think are like sibling podcasts. Uh, there's some overlap in the cast, but it's a lot of. Um, remember the dissolve. It's a lot of folks like crossing over from there, uh, sort sort of over film spotting. It's really good. The only problem is I don't keep current enough on films to like listen to a lot of their latest stuff, so I end up trolling through the trolling through their 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 back issues. Uh, that's one I got super into while just like doing like low impact uh, stuff. Um, I also, you know, I'd put off listening to it for years. Um, Mike Duncan's history of Rome. And I never need to hear stories of Rome up through the uh, like uh, Octavian, uh, like early, early uh, Principate. I don't need to hear that shit ever again. However, listening to uh, like the history of Rome from uh, the sort of the last years of Nero on for the, for the long, like the long decline as it were, um, was terrific. Uh, that, that podcast is a lot of fun. Uh, Mike Duncan's a, a great storyteller. And the last thing I'll shout out, best interview podcast that I think I listen to on the regular at all. And Patrick's were sort of discussing things we want to like might do next year or like want to model. Um, mm-hmm. Genuinely, the Beyond the Grid podcast that Formula One puts out is one of the best one-on-one conversation podcasts uh, you will hear part of it is they've got a longtime F1 journalist, um, Tom Clarkson, just talking to drivers and figures connected to Formula One from across the years. And a lot of these guys now are far enough away from the racing years from from the sport where they can start like actually saying stuff that you will never hear current like people who currently have a have skin in the game ever talk, frankly, about. Uh, but the other part of it is just like. They are conversations. It is not just the familiar questions uh, being asked. Uh, there is enough rapport built up that, like, you are hearing people, for the most part, give what are clearly very genuine, thoughtful answers, um, and not the PR boilerplate you get so used to in a lot of uh, like sports conversation. So that was that was one consistently this year where, like, every other episode, I'm like, damn, that was just such an exciting and like fascinating look uh, from how this, at, at how the sport looks from behind this particular curtain. Kata, anything come to mind? I don't do this. So not to, the, <laughs> like I, I literally cannot, like I played Sable. I listened to the soundtrack mm-hmm. in Sable. It was very calming. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it like bothers me to do this on most games. Destiny is one where like I've played that game long enough that certain activities I can, do this with but i don't usually go for podcasts because the podcasts i like to listen to require more 
of my brain space than doing something else at the same time would allow. So usually what I do is I put on a let's play or something that I can kind of like somebody's playing a different game and I'm kind of like half following along and that's fine. But if we're just talking to talk about a podcast that I got into this year, uh, sure. I want to give I, I would love to give a shout out to uh, Homestuck Made This World uh, friend of the site, Cameron Kunzelman. Uh, and uh, um, oh, God, why? Michael, guys, Michael right? Watts. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. The other guy. <laughs> the other have, guy. Should have just left my, it there. Michael, Michael Watts is the one like driving this. Uh, podcast. Well, the problem but is take, the take problem that, is Cam. <laughs> <laughs> cut that. Cut, cut Michael loose. Get Warren is dead on the podcast, uh, please. Um, the problem when your when your handle is a first name right. that is deeply credible. Right. <laughs> I almost said yeah. Warren is dead, but um, I've been really enjoying them going through the you know rereading Homestuck and. What I really appreciate is Michael's kind of deep dive into the uh, historical context through form posts and, you know, his own recollections, obviously, of how that all hit and the different things that were happening around the edges of it. Because truly one of the like wild things about reading that back when it was coming out was the online interactions around it and the fandom and being on the edges of that. And taking the look of that now and realizing how much of this kind of permeated other parts of fandom has been fascinating. Um, I'm not even doing the read along cause their summaries are really, uh, pretty, uh, good, but like the interesting part of the podcast is always them kind of talking about these larger contexts and the way that certain, uh, forms of online interaction were like, Oh wow, this was, Maybe one of the first times this happened was around the Homestuck fandom and things like that. Um, so yeah, that that podcast is is great. And even if you've never or don't think you're interested in Homestuck, you might be interested in them talking about it. Honestly, um, we're not gonna have time for all the the other ones here, so I'm gonna skip around and, and grab a, a grab bag as we head towards the end of this. But uh, this is one of my favorite submissions from Nick. The Kato Award. The Kato Award is given to a game that does nothing to earn the patience or commitment of the player, but the player, Kato, soldiers on regardless. Um, my answer for this was World Flipper because I thought that game was dog shit, and yeah. I still played like 40 hours of it over the span of a month because. I was both trying to convince myself and also because not the gotcha part, like that stuff, gambling, like that. that's, I, for, I'm fortunate that my psychology does not respond to things like that. I can control my interactions with those, those kinds of uh, designs, but the actual pinball stuff was like felt good and looked good. And I was enjoying that. And I just kept waiting for like the shoe to drop where it's like, all right, like this part's cool. Where's the rest? And it never appeared <laughs> and I got my robot um, and like that was I think when I got the robot, it was like that was it. Like the, that was when truly when the fever broke it was like, cool, I've done the thing that I wanted, which is to get my <laughs> robot friend, even though he's not represented in the game or cool to play as dead all because the game does a poor job of of that part. Um, so that was my version of this was like a game I spent. It's, I guess, similar to the, you know, you know, play too much of. But like, I think this one is explicitly you recognizing in your heart. Yeah, I shouldn't have been playing this game. Like I should have bounced so much earlier. And it's not even like empty calories. Like it's just bad. Like I was just <laughs> trying to convince myself to keep going. And eventually, fortunately, got got off. 
Avocado. I mean, mine, mine is probably the reason this exists and this is mm-hmm. <laughs> and was a theme this year was uh, fucking early on. Bravely Default Two, the game yep. that I shouldn't have played as much as I. I think I only ended up putting fifteen hours in there, but I. I rarely come away from something being like, I fully regret that experience (laughs) (laughs) as much as I fully regret giving it that much time. Uh, That game was not good. The things that I found good in it were better in Bravely Default 1. (laughs) Like, I should have just replayed Bravely Default 1 with that time. I would have had a better fucking time. Uh, So that's where my Kato Award goes to. (laughs) Bravely Default 2. (laughs) Uh, so I am giving my golden focus right to, uh, <laughs> Battlefield 2042. <laughs> um, Finally coming down. <laughs> yeah, which is just like, You really viscerally. held out for a minute there. I thought that was going to be a turn, you know? <laughs> like, here's where it's finally no, good. <laughs> just viscerally, I was like, oh, this seems totally fucked up. <laughs> and I was like, it can't be that fucked up. Like, there's got to be a good battlefield under there. Let's just go in there and find it. Ooh. And there was a, there was a lot of, like, the conversations Rob would have with me, like, pre-pod and stuff like that, while he was going through that process of being like, because you are trying to, like, did I have a bad review process? Like, did, right. am I not playing the right modes? Like, should I wait till it's live? Like, uh, maybe they'll add voice chat to this game. <laughs> uh, not that that, but you know what I mean? Like, you're you're grasping onto things when you have, well, like, that, and that kind of reaction to a game. Especially because... I think sometimes I am used now to because so many of the games I play end up just existing just because like what we what we are allowed to prioritize. um, A lot of things end up in what you would call like in the old magazine days, like seven or eight games. Right. Where it's like you don't have a strong initial reaction, probably. And you probably won't have a strong exit reaction. So, like, it takes time to dial in. Like, where do I think this actually falls? Like, how do I actually feel about this thing? Sometimes those games kind of really surprising you. You know, you put in the time. And you're like, wait, there's a lot more here. Other times you're like, wow, this thing is sort of now starting to fall apart, uh, you know, in my hands. I've hit a point where, it, like, when you have an instant, like, nope reaction, you almost can't trust it because you're like, but you didn't. You didn't do anything like you haven't you know, put any time into it. So now you have to be like, OK, set aside the nope and try to figure out like, OK, but what's redeeming here? What's redemptive? Yeah. And I think as a critic, that's always led me to sort, sort of uh, wishy washiness, uh, because like by the end, as a freelancer, of like putting a lot of time into these games, you would end up being like, OK, I can see what they're going for here and I can see here are the things that work. Uh and here also is why I'm really confident that ultimately this does not work despite like what they're trying to do. But it is so rare that like you just have an instantaneous like nothing here is working. Like this is just misfiring in every direction. And now I need to figure out why is it misfiring? Because now I feel like I haven't done my job if I'm not like, okay, but now I need to understand why I'm running Screaming from the Room. And I really well, just I, want to run Screaming from the Room. I, and I wonder um, if... Uh, some of like that kind of immediate reaction is just a, a hypothetical, but like is we don't see games early as much as we used to, especially in COVID. There are just less pre-release access to things or less preview events. There are less moments where a developer guides you through, here is the vision of our game and we're going to talk to you about it while you play it. And 
you know, you try to shut that stuff out, but like that becomes part of how you think about the game. And I wonder if a little bit of like your reaction is like seeing, seeing very little of this game being shoved in front of it and then a, having just a, a visceral immediate reaction to it that you then have to then have to unpack, you know, maybe partially because you have a, you have less of a sense of like, what were they going for here? Like, why did this misfire? Whereas like sometimes when you play a game, it's like, well, the developer told me they were trying to do this and like none, there was very little evidence that they were able to pull that off when I'm playing it. So because you get some of that structure from from the pitch and when you just are presented with the thing you end up having a more, a faster, more immediate emotional reaction um, as a result. That's just a, a theory, but I, I wonder if a part of that plays plays into it. Um, all right, uh, because we did a Kato Award, I, well, I have to do the other one. A lot of people submitted a variation on this award. Alex wins as the one that I picked. The Rob Zachney game from five plus years ago that I got into recently again award um, Rob, I, I feel you know I should have given it to Kato when it was his award first. But <laughs> what what do you what what are you giving this award to? Oh man, uh, that is there are so many good options here. Um, <laughs> maybe the actual answer is what we talked about last week, which is uh, which was Forza Motorsport Seven, uh, just <laughs> randomly uh, falling back into that. Um, I think the fact I ended up falling back into Company of Heroes again this year, admittedly connected to a sequel. Yes, that was part of it. But also like, dude, I replayed Company of Heroes 2 or Dance Assault and there was no good reason to do that. That didn't even connect to Company of Heroes 3. I was just like, you know what was a good campaign? Company of Heroes 2 or Dance Assault. I'm just going to play that. Uh, and like all these other games can gather dust. I just me and our dance assault going to be fighting World <laughs> War Two in the snow. It's going to be great. And it was. Kato, any any game that falls into this bucket for you? Uh, I mean, yes and no, because it's the answer is Final Fantasy 14. But that that game also mm. uh, the reason yeah, is I can't partial. count. Well, like, like, yeah, but I'm not playing the new stuff. I'm literally playing the stuff from over five years ago. <laughs> like, I am literally in that section of the game. So does it, maybe it, it counts? Maybe it um, counts. Like, uh, because I can't say Destiny, because even though Destiny did come out that long ago, I am caught up. I am playing the new stuff. But, like, I got back mm-hmm. into Final Fantasy around... <laughs> you might not be able to play the old stuff, because... Yeah, no, actually, so. that stuff isn't in the game <laughs> wah, anymore, wah. so... <laughs> I don't really have an option there. But, like, yeah... The Red War! There, were, uh, there was, like, you know, hype around Endwalker, and I was like, you know what, maybe I should get back in there and see how far I can get. Did not make it to Endwalker. Barely made it into the last thing, but like I feel like I've I reached some sort of hump where like now I'm like oh I'm I'm just enjoying this like this is fine like it's not amazing or anything but I'm gonna keep at it I'll plug away and I'll eventually finish Final Fantasy fourteen some at some point in my life, um but yeah that I guess that one counts because <laughs> I'm playing the five year old version per, parts of it. Uh, because I'm the anti Zachney, I have nothing to contribute to this award. <laughs> um, I only play the, the newer stuff. I mean, the closest I have is like, I have this, I, I put in my notes like a, a whole rant about uh, like my, my oldest, my five-year-old has increasingly been curious about video games. So I've been jumping between a lot of different ones to try and figure out something that she can 
grapple onto, but that's, that's a, we'll save that for a slower January. That's a rant for another day. Just let me turn off death and games, please, please, God, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, let's see, as we wind down here, uh, game that might've cracked your list if you had 20 plus hours to devote to playing it. This came in from Nick. <sighs> uh, my answer here was Returnal. Um, I'm, mm. I, I am so sure that that would have been one of my favorite games of the year had I the, – the way that that game handled its saves, save stuff where yeah. you could not uh, pause a run just meant that it just interrupted the flow of how I, I experienced things. Like It's like, hey, even on this PlayStation, like if I need to play another game for work, I can't do that. Because I, you know, if I've put the, you know, Returnal to sleep, I guess you can't do, you know, I mean, like, it's just, it didn't fit into my life, but it was the kind of game where had I been able to put in the proper hours, I loved how it played so much that I know that I would have, like, it would have really uh, worked for me. Um, I, I know that they've since changed the game and they've they've been teasing like a big expansion. So I'm actually, that might be a 2020, a 2021 game that becomes like a, like a, a much liked 2022 game, but it's one that I, I, I know for sure I would have loved if I had been given the chance to, to put the hours into it. Uh, mine is really recent because I just started it. Um, but I finally got around to unsighted and I really wish I had hit that a lot earlier than I had. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm not that far into it, but I already I'm like, Oh shit. Like, if I had, it's really good. If I had had time to get through that, that's that's definitely something that it would make my list. It's gonna yeah, be my like I want I want twenty twenty one yeah twenty twenty one game that is the best twenty twenty game I played in twenty twenty two sort yes, of situation. Yes. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Did you turn off? Um, no, the, I left that shit on. You left that I, on. Okay. I think I'm gonna love it for okay. the reason. Like, yeah, that's part of why I'm like, oh shit, this is hitting. Like I like I heard about that the timers and stuff and kind of like in an abstracted sense was like, Oh, that's interesting. But something about uh, hitting that in the game, like seeing the people that it's attached to and the way it's kind of presented hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, this, this is, this is caught for, for this people that don't like know emotional torture and incited like every character that you, every major character, the encounter where you can have like dialogue with, um, has not essentially even major, minor, not even major, minor, char- minor characters, like yeah, random like, NPCs that are just walking yep. around and have one line of dialogue, have that timer on them, have a time, have a timer associated with them in which that is when they will run out of the mystical robot, uh, consciousness juice, um, yeah. that stops them from going like robot feral. I've forgotten all the proper nouns they used to describe that stuff in yes. that game. Cause I played half of it a couple of months a- back. A- anima, um, a- anima is the, the stone. Sure, there you go. Anime. Um, unsighted. Uh, is, that, it's the name of the game. They go on They become unsighted. Right, correct. That's when they kind of go feral and that becomes like the enemies you fight. Um, and there is a rare resource in the game that you can use to benefit yourself, or you can then use that to keep certain characters alive um uh, for longer um as you try and get through the game itself because that clock is going in real time as you're exploring solving puzzles and doing yada yada um and then there is an option there's an option in the menu to just flip flip that off um which based on uh moises's review i did that immediately (laughs) i was like that didn't seem like the kind of tension that i wanted Mm -hmm. uh from that game so i'll be curious when if you finish that uh 
Kato, how you no, where I mean, you end up on that by the by the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, I'm hundred percent all the way in on the that tension being it feels critical. Like I I'm I'm glad they added that toggle just because other people will have like that'll be too much tension, but it feels like mm-hmm. that feels like what this game is about in a way that yeah. you can't separate it from the the narrative in a way. So like I don't know. Um I'm very I'm really excited and wish I had I had gotten on onto it earlier. Uh Rob, is there any 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 game that you think would have landed oh higher gosh. if you'd actually had time to put into it? So many. Um Yeah, this is one of these things like I think I know I'm gonna tuck into over winter break. Guardians. Like I saw enough <laughs> where I was like if if the rest of the game is half as good as these first yeah. like three hours. It's going to be a special fucking game. I think also that is a I need, perfect holiday game. And like, I, yes, that's the thing. I need to be like all hands on deck where I'm playing that. Like you have a couple hours each day to like put into it and like spend time with these characters. Because the thing I couldn't handle was like those first three hours. It was like a pilot of a TV show or maybe a, almost a movie in itself in <laughs> in some ways, even though it's actually like the first act of it was the setup for a movie but yeah like i just just playing through that i was like um i like i do not want this to be a thing i am wedging into like 45 minutes before bed or no. you know an hour before work like i want to just be able to hang with this game um all right the la- last one we'll do just uh is uh the best game oh, this came from daniel um best game waypoint streamed this year um, I think the audience would probably pick inscription. <laughs> um, um, uh, based on the way those streams went, for I was think I thought of this from my perspective, which was uh, I I voted for uh Back for Blood because I don't even think the game is very good, <laughs> but I've had so much fun playing it. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think it's a bad. I don't think it's a bad game, but I don't like it is entirely supported by like the banter and the fun. And the, you know, like, where's the chain gun meme uh, for Natalie, as opposed to... Let me test like, something what, with these birds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. And like, again, yeah. Sure, that stuff is, that that is those moments, and that reaction I'm having is because of what's in the game, but, I, you know, what? like, it's just sort of, I don't know, the card stuff is eh, like, like the enemy design is eh, like, it's just a bunch of blah to me, but I, I've had a, a blast playing it, and I definitely would not... It's not a game that would, I know they're adding like a, a way to like better progress to the single player, but like, come on, like, don't like, just don't put, <laughs> don't put yourself through that. Like, that's not what this game is. Uh, gosh. So the streams, I like genuinely, I have fucking loved the streams this year. Um, I think inscription is a tough bar to beat. Uh, but in some ways it's also an unfair comparison because like, the three of us, Natalie, myself, and Kato, like made space for us to just like feast on that. Maybe Gorge <laughs> yeah. is the correct like <laughs> thing to say there. I'm not sure. I think we went beyond feasting a couple times and just into wallowing, yeah. rooting. Uh, um, I love this filth. I love this card <laughs> filth. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I think like that. That's tough to be. I really also did enjoy uh, playing Resident Evil. Um, mm. That was a I do not think I would have gotten nearly as much. I think the frustrations of that experience uh, playing alone would have turned me. They have turned me away from the game earlier. But like 
uh, having Patrick sort of providing context and advice and like instruction was a lot of fun. Also, the parts where I got hopelessly stuck, apparently <laughs> needlessly, uh, were also a lot of fun. Uh, so I think that probably is uh, after inscription my favorite stream. I feel like uh, inscription not uh, putting inscription to the side because it happened to also be goatee. So that's yeah. <laughs> like not that's right. helping right. it a it's lot. Unfair. But yes. the next two that were kind of tied was going to be RE1, which you brought up and actually really enjoyed when you and Austin were playing Wildermyth. Like the Wildermyth streams were pretty fucking solid because that was just like, you know, the the way that that game like uh hits its uh comedic beats with the little comics is so fucking good and like y'all doing the voices for the different characters just like it's it was that classic tactical tuesdays on your bullshit stuff that i really enjoyed this year so that was that that would be my shout out for the next the next one in the list that we haven't talked about yet <laughs> my my run, my runner up was the Kirby stream course which um uh just <laughs> two 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 people who th- who yeah, exactly. Is that yes? That yep. yes. Um, oh. Two people who proclaim to know what Fuck. they're doing. One person who really proclaimed to know what they're doing, I see. and just <laughs> complete abject uh, chaos. That game. We have, that game. Just... And I talk. <laughs> yes. Kevin and I talked about doing a run on golf games. Like I do want to do that in twenty twenty one. Like I didn't realize that the NES golf game is just in like the Switch, like online. Oh shit! Um, yeah. Stuff. Um. So. I, yeah, I I, I want to go play like uh, what were those uh, golf games? Was it Access? Uh, like the PC golf games from like the nineties? Links? Oh my god, Links! 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 <laughs> like I, yeah, I want to go back. Dude, and play. if you go back to play Links, I will play Links with you. Shit. <laughs> okay, I don't know how we do that. I got you know I got to do some research, but figure out if people want to write in. Like <laughs> basically, I'd like us to go back to just a wide swath of weird golf games, like Links and uh, build. And, yeah, and especially <laughs> older ones, ones that were like the mechanics will frustrate us. Yeah, like specifically, yeah. like that's that's what Dream Course was so well, fun. God, but was, the the thing about Dream Course is that it's like ninety nine percent of the time you're like sure, and that one percent fuck yes. up. It goes so that wrong. margin like really fucks you up hard. Yeah, yes, it's beautiful. I'll just say this about golf games real quick too. I think they also ended up in this weird place of um it's sort of like where you where MLB is too, where it's like, which interface do you like using for this basic function? And that doesn't exist because there's a best one. That exists because over the years, different people playing different games or even the same franchise with different controls, they've they've since tried to revamp to change the gameplay. Uh they just end up like having to completely like, okay, we're done with the meter. Now you use the stick or the mouse to like actually make a motion and nobody can ever agree on that shit. So like games just end up uh, having more and more, they have to support more and more control options. I think golf ended up in the same place where it was like EA trying to be like, you know, it'd be really good is if you could use your controller like a golf club. And I'm like, that's not good at all, but go for it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's going to, I think that's going to do it. I'm sorry. We, there were other ones I had on here, but, uh, we went long. So, um, you know, that's the, the nature of things. <laughs> who, who could have guessed that when we did an opening segment oh, about the game of the year stuff that I thought would be 15 minutes went 40 and then that, uh, sanded off the, Oh no, categories. I would like to note here. I congratulated uh-huh. Patrick as a Patrick, you noted like you're, you're better at running the show than I am. You like run that clock you saw we needed to take a break you were on it mm-hmm. and then the same thing happened to you that happens to me which yeah. made, like 
we have structural problems with how we handle this show. And I think it's that we're all interested in what each other has to say. And nobody has the heart to be like, we need to wrap it up. We need to move on from this point. But do we? Rob, no one cares about your observation about the golf genre. (laughs) (laughs) We do. We have another podcast to record. I don't know if we're recording it at the time that we said, but if that is true, it would be extremely soon. Yeah. That's probably not happening. Yeah, We can push it. it. That was wiggle. Yeah. That was wiggle. No, 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 I don't think we can push it. Uh, Natalie did nothing wrong here. No, no, I, 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 I checked in. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, that is going to do it for the, oh, um, I'll record this separately. Kato, edit this out, but like I need to, I'll just record a, um, the Wait promo last that we need to do. Yeah. Uh, I guess I could, I guess I could put it in here, but I'll, yeah, I'll just, I mean, that's what we've been doing. Just, uh, and yeah, then, okay, but then you doing. also need, okay, but then you also need to put it in. I'll in put the, it at the front. Like, yes. In the break. Yeah. Or, the, or in the front or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Whereas, hey, everyone. We're running a sale on subscriptions to Waypoint Plus, so you can get 25% off an annual subscription through the end of the year with the coupon code WAYLASTMINUTE. If you're looking for a last-minute gift, give the gift of Waypoint. You can choose a date for your subscription to be delivered to the recipient so as not to ruin the surprise. Ooh. Or you can buy one for yourself. Visit vice.com slash waypoint to order. And then also we can do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> you, hey, if you made it to the end of this podcast, you get to see the mess. Um, so that is going to do it for us. Uh, that's a wrap for today's episode of Waypoint Radio. Go on from Waypoint, for Waypoint. You can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. And follow me at Patrick Klupik. Kato, where can people follow follow you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Rob. Uh you know, this won't even be topical anymore, but in my heart, I'm still at Leshy's place. Oh, <laughs> Have, did we ever did we ever leave? Good question. Did we ever leave? Um you can find uh, go check out what we published over at woodpoint.vice.com. Uh, you know, when we publish things <laughs> for Waypoint <laughs> plus listeners, uh, let's see what's going on. Like, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna record that arcane spoiler cast and that's gonna, that's gonna fall through the cracks. That'll yeah. still happen. Uh, we'll do that, but I don't think it's gonna happen before for in time sometime for in January. people to listen to. Yeah. Sometime in January. We'll, we'll follow up on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's gonna do it. Our theme music is uh, by Bowen. The track is Miss You Off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. I don't know if this is the first of the holiday pods or the second of the holiday pods. Kata will, it's the, the power first. will be. It's the first. It's the first. We're going to go in chronological to? order. <laughs> All right. Well, then you can look forward to a big old mailbag uh, with the three of us plus Natalie. Um, these are rolling out once a week uh, during the two weeks that we are kind of taken off going into cool down mode before we come back after uh, the new year. So however you celebrate the holidays, you can do that while fucking capitalism going on. It didn't sound, Just, it sounded better in my up. head. God damn it. We can't do this again. In waypoint 2022, we're horny for capitalism. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let me actually refill my water real quick. We are back. Yeah, go ahead. Man, Patrick, you actually have a sense for how long the show's been going. I admire it. And you act on that sense. You took a break and we should take a break. <laughs> that was like, I exp- you know, well, like many things, I thought that we would do that for 15 minutes. We did it for 40 minutes. And it's like, all right, we should we should do this so that we can have an actual lunch in between uh, the podcast. I mean, we'll see what happens with Natalie. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that um, games like Madonna are kind of one of the things that like, they make me feel a little like, I don't know itchy just about like what should we be doing as media to like celebrate that stuff like yes because we, we we do our little blog post we do our hey this is cool on the pod and then we're done with it and the thing is like i am certain that if, like is the best thing we can do find time to stream shit like that um because i'm sure like you or i playing that like it would be a different t- type of thing but like but pl- playing it's a better way of selling people on it than it is writing yeah. about it i think like you doing you know i did that little interview because it was a, a small lift but like right that just fault. Like the only people clicking on that are folks that already played Mundon, which is just means you're writing for like just yeah. the smallest audience in, in and in reviews world. don't move the fucking needle. You no. could like, we can go out there and be like, you know what? This is the greatest horror game since I, I don't know, whatever, like amnesia, the dark descent, right? You need to play it. And like, that will make five people be like, yeah, I probably do need to play that. Then if Patrick Klepek over waypoint is saying it, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, and then, and then because no outlet, operates according to that there's just no there's no like word of mouth never has its moment to do its thing right buzz doesn't build it just dissipates immediately I, like i don't know to me it felt like this year everyone i know who played psychonauts 2 seems to really admire what psychonauts 2 did and like it was terrific yep it also feels like death loop like just completely sucked the conversational air yes. out of the room entirely yep yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked Psychonauts. I, I went the other way where it's like I fell off Deathloop. That's like a game I'm hoping to play over the holidays. Yeah. And instead all my brain power went to Psychonauts too. But it's while well, I was playing that while everyone else right. was playing uh uh that. But it just, it just seemed fucked up cuz like Psychonauts seemed to do really well <sighs> with critics, but like conversationally it was all like Deathloop, 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 Deathloop. And I was like did that game flop? Did Psychonauts just eat shit because of this? I don't no, know how it all seemed- translated. It seemed like it did. It did. It did. My understanding is it did. It did pretty good. Uh, uh, I need to read this tweet to you, Rob. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Trubisky will be getting reps with Josh Allen Limited. McDermott won't say much else about the situation other than the team is taking it day to day. Patrick. Let's. Patrick. This is the prophecy. He's going to lead them to a late season surge. And people are going to be like, whoa. Mitch Trubisky is a really good substitute Josh Allen. Who do they play this weekend? Oh, it lines up so well for my boy. The what? Panthers. They suck. Oh, he's like, going to obliterate their asses. Yes, he's going to win. He's going to. Oh, he's. Oh, my God. That's oh, Mitch. Woo. I would be happy for him. He did nothing wrong other than suck. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe who knows? it was not in the stars that he would have sucked. Or maybe he's. I think he sucks. But. uh Probably 
could be a useful tool that like if Josh Allen was limited for two games, I bet they split those games with uh with with Trubisky. Um uh also uh Splinter Cell, a remake in development at Ubisoft Toronto. And they explicitly came out and said they're not making it open world. <laughs> Which is just like a funny thing that they have to do. Uh, Sam, we need you to get into the Antifa meetings to figure <laughs> out when the next BLM protests oh, no. are going to shut down Mall of America. <laughs> get into these air ducts and plant listening devices all over. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, well, I can bring us back. Um, <clears throat> black mirror. What? Bring what us back. Say? Bring us black. I thought I, I heard black mirror as well. Black mirror. Oh, is back. I thought you said black. No, mirror it is, is not. Black, black Splinter- mirror is back, baby. And it's <laughs> like, better than ever. Splinter cell is back. Spinner cells. Spin- what is cell. technology, Splinter but cell. too much. Spinter cell. <laughs> Splinter cell uh, is back. Huh. It is. They're make they're doing a remake of the original. I guess. You know, I've never played a game in that series. Me. Which is fucked up. One? It would be my shit. I'm sure of it. Probably. Probably be really hard to go back to that first one, but that'd be a good one. Probably. That'd be a, that would be. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would be one where I'd like to watch Rob play that and never touch it myself. <laughs> like, how do I how do I watch Rob play Stalker uh, or uh, uh, Splinter Cell? But I don't have to play that game. Um, OK. All right. Let's get to these uh, awards. Uh, Wizard Box is also like expensive as shit. I had no yeah. way would I ever pay for it by myself. <laughs> Dude, I was like, <laughs> can I say, let's see what these offers actually are. And they're like, you can build your own butcher box. And I was like, I'm so fucking lootly not. No, I am not. Every, every time I like I mentioned well, that I got that box to someone, some like it, and there are one of uh our, our friends down the one of Jessica's friends' parents down the street, uh, like the guy's like company got sold, like they seem to do pretty well and i like mentioned butcher box and he's like absolutely not i wouldn't pay for that and i'm like oh okay <laughs> is that what i why are they advertising on waypoint radio then it worked out uh, apparently they've seen actual z- results according to this email so great <laughs> that's because i'm not i'm not I'm disputing, just disputing my whole family yeah i'm just like <laughs> and mina loves butcher box too mm, don't you love this poodle Everyone to cook a steak and I split it with me and Mina. We split it. You know, she gets a half and I get a half. Oh, I'm so happy. I just got tons of ground beef. <laughs> so much ground beef. Do you know the butcher box will just, whether you want it or not, send you ground beef? <laughs> what are you going to do with that whole turkey, Rob? Or is I still got those lobster tails. They do still have those lobster tails? <laughs> I'm like, so wait. I'm gonna cook like I'm gonna prepare lobster, but just two lobster tails, and that's a meal. No, that's just well, that's that's your uh, Rob. I think what your solution there is uh, the next time MK's out of town, Rob's eating lobster tails. Mm, that's a good point, right? Right. What what MK don't know what she's missing. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay. just two lobster tails is enough for you. Get a little, you, really you can take you could take one of the one of the one, one you know one of the fillets. Put that, pair that up. That's like a forty-five dollar meal at a restaurant that you've just made. Well, for nothing. 
Bill Serpenter for one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're kind of so, record this and send this. Like, can we put this in the, in the podcast? I feel like it'd be a good uh, ad. You know, it's we're on the take, but, you know, we're, we're so positive. <laughs> so something really troubling happened, though, when I was unboxing all the Butcher Box shit. Mm. Mm. Butcher Box bacon appeared. I held it in my hands. Mm-hmm. And I never saw it again. Hmm. Like, by the time I was done putting stuff away, I was like, where did that bacon go? This is alarming, because the only thing in that area was my water heater, my Mm. laundry machines, the deep freeze, Mm. and then dark crevices around the the other machines. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. And so I'm like, (laughs) I've looked in the places where it could have easily fallen, I wouldn't see it. Uh Uh-huh. No bacon. No bacon. But I'm terrified that somewhere in this house... It's bacon. slowly decomposing vac sealed bacon. Oh, God. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And, like, I won't at find least, it. It's vac sealed, it though, right? Pardon? But at some point, I guess it might ex- be like. It might expand escape. enough. Yeah. The yeah. Gas it would burst will... its seal. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then I will just have to live somewhere else. <laughs> Goodbye, condo. Forever. <laughs> Mina, what are you eating? No, she would. I, the thing is, actually, you know what? She will alert us if it becomes an issue because she does not like it when I start to burn my pizza when I'm reheating on the wow. stove. Like, she will so go over juicy. there and stand and stare at the skillet. And if I don't respond to that, she'll go like, she'll do an alert bark. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, dog? And I'll come over. And I'll be like, oh, my God, the cross is starting to blacken. <laughs> like, it's a perfect timer. Amazing. It's just and like, that- this is a dangerous smell. You guys <laughs> should not, dangerous not be smell. doing this. <laughs> I fully all moved right. all that to, to the air fryer. Really? Oh, yeah. Dude. Even reheating pizza? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. What? what? Yeah. How do you hold on? I guess the, is the air fryer like a. It's, it's, like a mini, it's a thing? mini stove. Okay. Basically. So it's like, you know. So it's like a toaster wanna, oven? But like a really good one that works. Both circulation, bad. is that it? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Air fryer is an incredible investment. I was. Doesn't a fancy oven basically come with that feature built in then? If you like buy one of the really fancy ovens? I don't, I don't, maybe I don't have one. I, my oven is old as yeah, shit, but mine too. Uh, I want to die so I could buy a nice oven. It's just like incredible for, I mean, uh, the vast majority of my air fryer use is kids' meals, which is like, uh, like they're like n- chicken nuggets and things like that. I can make in five minutes instead of like t- 20 minutes in the oven or like giving them microwaved chicken nuggets, which I know they'll eat, but just feels. It's so gross yeah, when you touch them. It's not. It's so gross. Uh, and so I, I just, you know, I, one of those, one of the holidays of the air, like the, the air fryer that everyone buys went on sale, like, you know, half price. And I was like, okay, fine. My wife didn't, Katie didn't like how much space it took up in the kitchen. We don't have a ton of counter space. But then I was like, but just like make the kids meal once or twice. And like, I think it'll earn its spot. <laughs> and it, has, it, hasn't, it hasn't moved in eight months. Yeah, there it is. Um. Yeah, I guess I don't know. We could uh, do free free ad reads association uh, that, we, that we can't uh, release to the world. You know, butch. You know, who should really subscribe, uh, like support us is, uh, God, what is it? The the little bark box. Now that bark is a box. value. 
That used hey, to be a very, <laughs> very common podcast ad, but they not as much. I think they might have just reached saturation, you right. know? And so the I, other issue is the shit's too good. Like, unless you have a dog that just habitually destroys toys, um, just like that's their thing is how they play with stuff is just to rip it apart. Um, their toys will last just, you know, a year, year and a half. Well, that's what happened so with the, 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 like, the Harry Shaver. Like, I finally was just like, I'm tired of, like, buying cheap shit at the store. Like, I'll just get the subscription. But I don't shave enough. And so I suddenly had, like, like 30. I just looked. They're like, oh, I have, like, 30 razors because I just don't go through them fast enough. I need to cancel the subscription. And then I'll sign up again in a year and a half when, when I've oh made God. it through this pile of razors. I still haven't. I have like this. Is how, this is how Patrick ends up do, doing like boxes. full body shaving. Fifteen boxes of what? Harry's razors? Not Harry's. The other one. I was Dollar the Shave other one. Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like these are so cheap. I don't even want to stop. I'm just like gonna stockpile them, and then I've stockpiled <laughs> in case, enough. In case what? <laughs> oh, no, you, just, okay. You canceled it. Oh, okay, yeah. I did right. cancel it, but like I maybe canceled it further along than I should have because it's been like a <laughs> solid two years now that I haven't. You, you have uh, <laughs> the equivalent of Rob and I's uh, freezer chest of ground beef, mm-hmm. in, but mm-hmm. instead, in, mm-hmm. instead it's racers. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, I couldn't. I, I, I don't I don't fuck with Dollar Shave Club because I'm a Jeff and Andy stan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Okay, let's start the podcast. <laughs> Rob, you are slightly blurry. Yeah, oh. I feel like you would yeah, care Rob's, about that. Uh, focus is on the couch, showing us where Mina could possibly be. The possibility right. of Mina. Possibility <laughs> of Mina. All right, there we look better. Yeah. Yes. Look. Yes. Science scientists in the Fermi lab are <laughs> working on. <laughs> They're proving the, the Mina, the Mina of equation Mina. of the possibility of Mina. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. So I I figure we will briefly do. Just everyone's game of the year, and we can talk about that, uh, and then we'll just do these 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 topics. And I feel like that'll take us through like various games people have played, but like we can go as long or as short as we want Shit. on the the what game games of the year part. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that makes which all perfect sense. Yeah, and we didn't even do, use that to talk. I don't know, Rob. Like you were sort of like part of the reason you didn't want to do a top ten was you know, sort of an indifference or like hard to think of the year. So like we could use that space to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's perfect. Oh, yeah. Do we have a list? Do we have the list of stuff? Yeah, it's it's in the podcast notes um, in the Vice or, City notes. Yeah. Or, or oh, in you the actually chat. opened that. Once? I did for this. Yes. <laughs> All right. I feel like everyone. I'm going to flip this over to you and you're just going to be the captain for most of these shows. OK, um, unless you just wanted the intro. Uh no, you can do the intro and All then right. you can you can throw over to me and I mean when we do the mailbag we'll I'll mark yeah. people's names so that everyone can yeah, read yeah. some different stuff. All right. Uh I am at time.is. Uh <laughs> 20. Cal, are we going to number these like regular waypoint radio episodes or the or do the holiday ones like exist in a outside time zone? Nah, mm. I mean we should put numbers on them. Especially because we're not, especially in the case where we're not even like spamming daily. Yeah, you know, they, they, they're they taking the literal slots of two weeks of regular yeah. pods, so. Oh, no. <laughs> Waypoint.gay. Uh-huh. Laps? Is down. Oh, I mean, AWS. AWS is having issues. 
AWS <laughs> killed Waypoint.gay? <laughs> Jeff Bezos Jeff doesn't Bezos want the word the to get out. <laughs> He's like, you know who's at the forefront of labor organizing? Lots of organizations. And behind them, Waypoint. <laughs> Did I ask you, Patrick, if you ratified the union contract? Yeah, I was. I think I was the first. I was probably the first person who did it. It hit my email. I clicked yes immediately. I was like, yours went to your inbox. Mine went to spam. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this isn't real. Oh, a random unsolicited survey monkey poll? No. Okay. Well, that email redirects. <laughs> that explains why there were like follow ups to see if if I had ratified it. I was like, I did. I hit yes. It was like, oh, so that's recorded anonymously. And now they have to check with every single person to yeah. see if they. Oh, mm, inefficient system. Uh, <laughs> now I should have voted against. Can you? Can you, Rob? Can you just guess which number it is? Can, can you not look? I can guess. Okay, let's start there. Open the pod. <laughs> 